0: everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fred Hampton and his suite. I think this is episode 50. It's kind of crazy to think about, honestly. Been a long I've been doing this longer than I thought. Honestly. Over a year now. So I appreciate you uh wherever you're listening, wherever you may be, uh whatever drew you here, I appreciate you spending time. we're always keeping the door open, the towels warm, and uh, hopefully the vibe's good. One of these days I will get a (laughs) soundboard. Maybe, I don't know, no problem. No problem. I'm gonna learn how to use a soundboard and treat it like a like a podcast. And it's just supposed supposed to be fun. you know, it's not supposed to be a, I don't, you know, I still don't know what this is supposed to be. It, it, to be quite honest, the entire podcast basically started as a relationship falling apart and me needing something else to do. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe I'll get a soundboard. Is this the, the, the equivalent of the midlife crisis now is the start a podcast? Is that how it goes? <laughs> I don't know, but we I, I appreciate those of you who are here live, always appreciate you. Um those of you who listen later or don't listen, uh, appreciate you too, because it's uh, just as uh just as much a planet as mine. So uh cool. So I, 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 I wanted to keep tonight's episode shorter than usual. Um there are a couple different things going on there's obviously more important things going on in the world than what one of the world's richest men uh sometimes ranked as the richest man in the world is doing uh obviously we see a lot of the climate devastation with what's going on in hawaii uh specifically maui uh and uh there i, th- I believe there's now wild wildfires going on in greece uh i think i was reading it's hard to keep up but uh Those things are not unrelated to the topic of why I'd want to talk about at least one billionaire for a little bit here, and that particular billionaire being Elon Musk. Uh, He really needs no introduction. Everyone really knows who he is at this point, especially in America. He is a mainstay of our politics at this point. He is the owner of Twitter, which is now X, uh, which he has rebranded for some reason, basically because he can. Uh, he is the co-founder of Tesla, the co-founder of PayPal, the co-founder of SpaceX, our own Tony Stark, uh, our own Iron Man, if you will, from South Africa. Uh, and I thought we could talk a bit about why generally billionaires are evil <laughs> I mean, you don't need me to to um, tell you that, but uh, I promise it's connected to the idea of particular things like climate change, particularly things like uh, who our politicians decide to pass laws for, uh, what gets floated out to the forefront and what doesn't. And uh, the reason I want to talk about him is because I read an article by Ronan Farrow who uh, is a journalist. I think he's a freelance journalist, but he wrote an article in The New Yorker, which uh, a lot of it is, you know, the basic sort of criticisms we've heard of Elon Musk before and nothing new. Uh, Rich guy asshole who takes, uh, wants to save the world, but wants to be the one to do it. Uh, Rich guy who uh, says it's my way or the highway and people go his way. But I wanted to start out with reading part of this article, at least the beginning, to really talk about what what I mean when we talk about things like power. When we talk about why, look, I mean, generally, you know me at this point, uh, if you've been listening for a while, is I do not see a future where unfettered or just... Capitalism continues to be the predominant uh, economic and societal structure. I, I do not think it can continue. I think it will always eat itself. Uh, that's nothing new. Other people have said it much better, including Marx and Engels and 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 uh, a whole bunch of other people who I am uh, not well read enough to tell you about. But... The, I, I really wanted to highlight today just how destructive this system can be and why, why it's impossible to rely on the entrepreneurial spirit or the, the, the entrepreneurial goodwill or just the goodwill of an entrepreneur to rely on a benevolent capitalist uh, why I don't think that's possible. And I'll, I'll read a bit. This is, again, from Farrow, Ronan Farrow's article in The New Yorker uh, called Elon Musk's Shadow Rule, how the U.S. government came to rely on the tech billionaire and is now struggling to rein him in. So here's the beginning of it. Last October, Colin Kahl, then the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy at the Pentagon, sat in a hotel in Paris and prepared to make a call to avert disaster in Ukraine. A staffer handed him an iPhone, in part to avoid inviting an onslaught of late night texts and colorful emojis on Call's own phone. Call had returned to his room with its heavy drapery and distant view of the Eiffel Tower. After a day of meetings with officials from the United Kingdom, France, and Germany, a senior defense official told me, that call was surprised by whom he was about to contact. He was like, Why am I calling Elon Musk? The reason soon became apparent. Even though Musk is not technically a diplomat or statesman, I felt it was important to treat him as such, given the influence he had on the issue, call told me. SpaceX, Musk's space exploration company, had for months been providing internet access across Ukraine allowing the country's forces to plan attacks and to defend themselves. But in recent days, the forces had found their connectivity severed as they entered territory contested by Russia. More alarmingly, SpaceX had recently given the Pentagon an ultimatum. If it didn't assume the cost of providing service in Ukraine, which the company calculated at some $400 million annually, it would cut off access. We started to get a little panicked. The senior defense official, one of the four who described the standoff to me, recalled, Musk could turn it off at any given moment. And that would have real operational impact for the Ukrainians. Musk had become involved in the war in Ukraine soon after Russia invaded in February 2022. Uh, I'll, I'll stop there for a bit, but... I think the beginning is good. The setup is good, right? Here we have senior U.S. military officials. Uh, and again, let, let, let's just be clear here. Regardless of what you think about the war in Ukraine, should we even be there? Should we should we continue to fund this? Uh, are there justifications for it? Let's just put all that aside right now, right? Because it, it's it's that doesn't really matter for the point that I'm trying to make here, even though, uh, if you've listened to me talk about this issue before, I'm of the opinion that we should be pursuing peace talks and peace negotiations there as, as much as possible. Um, that should be the route that we're going. This is starting to look more and more like a proxy war where, uh, we're using the Ukrainians as pawns to just hurt the Russians. Right. Uh, even though the Russians invaded and yada, yada, yada. But again, put all that shit aside. Let's not talk about who blew up the Crimean Bridge. Let's not talk about the, uh, the uh, uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Let's not talk about any of that shit right now, right? Let's not talk about Cy, uh, Cy Hirsch's article saying the US blew it up or that Ukrainians trained by the US at a naval base. Put all that shit aside right now, okay? None of that matters. Regardless of what you think of the war, what we have here is a report that U.S. military officials are having to call Elon Musk because a crucial piece of infrastructure for the Ukrainians in the war effort, which is internet access, is being provided by Elon Musk, the Starlink system. And The U.S. military is having to call Elon Musk to beg him not to turn it off. And Elon Musk unilaterally is threatening to turn off this satellite system, the Starlink system, on the Ukrainians unless he is paid $400 million a a year. Now, uh, this is... uh, this is kind of blackmail, right? If if the article goes into it later, more into it, but saying that when the war first broke out in Ukraine, Elon Musk volunteered uh, his Starlink system, this this uh, you know SpaceX internet access system, to Ukrainians to Ukraine, so that they can maintain internet access in war zones in Ukraine. Now that's Whatever you think of the war, uh, someone volunteering to do that is, it's, it's a big deal, right? Providing internet access where otherwise it wouldn't be. But someone, first of all, has the power to do this. A billionaire can unilaterally offer basically a weapon or a piece of critical infrastructure, which can change the tide of the war. And he does offer it. When Ukraine is invaded, Musk decides on his own that, hey, we can give you, we can provide this internet service for you. So that can change the tide of the war. And now, in the middle of the war, he threatens to take it away. He threatens to take it away unless he's paid $400 million a year. by either the country that's at war or by the U.S. government. But some way, the motherfucker needs to get paid. I'll give you a spoiler alert as we go on a bit in this article, because I do want to go on for a little bit more because it, it gives some more detail. But Musk basically is in a hostage situation where he's holding war infrastructure hostage, Unless we pay a ransom. So suddenly, what ends up happening is the U.S. government or the U.S. military and Musk work out a deal. But holy shit. That's fucking insane, right? Like, even if we just stopped here and we didn't even explain, go any more into the article or any more into what else Elon Musk has done. This is... A demonstration, a clear demonstration that a, a multi-billionaire has the ability to unilaterally uh, affect the war. Oh, is Cornell West about to go on SABS live? What time? Actually, I'll make sure we're done before then. Um, unless it's happening like right now. Uh, because I would like to see that. But uh you know, that being said, this is the story we have so far, right? One man, uh, false and all, is able to affect a war. Uh, what access people have to what resources during a war. Uh, that should be enough to scare the shit out of anybody, regardless of what you think about the justifications of the war. Uh, as Kanye said, no one man should have all that power. It is, you are stuck. Catering to the whims of whatever they think, right? And I'll go a little more into the the article here, too. Um, and again, if you're just joining us, we're going over parts of the New Yorker article by Ronan Farrow, uh, which released August 21st. So this would be yesterday. Uh, Elon Musk's shadow rule, how the U.S. government came to rely on the tech billionaire and is now struggling to rein him in. So, Musk had become involved in the war in Ukraine soon after Russia invaded in February 2022. Along with conventional assaults, the Kremlin was conducting cyber attacks against Ukraine's digital infrastructure. Ukrainian officials and a loose coalition of expatriates in the tech sector, brainstorming in group chats on WhatsApp and Signal, found a potential solution. SpaceX, which manufactures a line of mobile internet terminals called Starlink, The tripod-mounted dishes, each about the size of a computer display and clad in white plastic reminiscent of the sleek design sensibility of Musk's Tesla electric cars, connect with a network of satellites. The units have limited range, but in this situation, that was an advantage. Although a nationwide network of dishes was required, it would be difficult for Russia to completely dismantle Ukrainian connectivity. Of course, Musk could do so three people involved in bringing Starlink to Ukraine, all of whom spoke on the condition of anonymity because they worried that Musk, if upset, could withdraw his services, told me that they originally overlooked the significance of his personal control. Quote, nobody thought about it back then. One of them, a Ukrainian tech executive told me, it was all about, let's fucking go. People are dying. In the ensuing months, or I'm sorry, in the ensuing months, Fundraising in Silicon Valley's Ukrainian community, contracts with the U.S. Agency for International Development and with European governments, and pro bono contributions from SpaceX facilitated the transfer of thousands of Starlink units to Ukraine. A soldier in Ukraine's Signal Corps, who was responsible for maintaining Starlink access on the front lines and who asked to be identified only by his first name, Mikola, told me, it's the essential backbone of communication on the battlefield. OK, so the essential backbone of communication, how Ukrainians are actually who are fighting in this war are able to communicate with each other is through this Starlink system. Um, where where should I go with this? Should What part should I read? <sighs> Let's. I'll read the next paragraph, and then I'll discuss it a little more. But I want to broaden this out a little bit. So, initially, Musk showed unreserved support for the Ukrainian cause, responding encouragingly as uh, Mikhail, Mikhail Fedorov, oh, fuck me, Mikhailo Fedorov, the Ukrainian minister for digital transformation, tweeted pictures of equipment in the field, but as the war ground on, SpaceX began to balk at the cost. We are not in the position to further donate terminals to Ukraine or fund the existing terminals for an indefinite period of time, SpaceX's director of government sales told the Pentagon in a letter last September. Uh, CNBC recently valued SpaceX at nearly 150 billion dollars. Forbes estimated Musk's personal net worth at $220 billion, making him the world's richest man. So, again, providing a critical piece of infrastructure for a war and then threatening to withdraw it. The article goes on to say that Musk has said that he was talking to Putin and that the two countries should be engaged in peace talks. Which, here's the thing, I agree with. I do think the countries need to come to peace talks. The problem is, when you as a one person, as one individual, can determine whether or not a war effort continues uh, based on whether or not you actually provide the infrastructure for it to continue. The power to unilaterally Maybe it's not necessarily to start the war, but to either keep it going, or make it stop, or determine who maybe wins that war as one person. uh, That's a terrifying amount of power, especially when it's coming from somebody who uh, can't shut the fuck up about the woke mind virus, or whatever the fuck he's talking about. And this is why I wanted to talk about the X-Man, the Elon Musk, the great man sort of theory of a Tony Stark who comes and saves us all. Uh, I think systemically, a system that allows one individual, any individual, no matter how benevolent, to hold that much power over life and death is a bad system. I think one that forces a system which forces or, or leaves the most powerful government in the world, in the richest nation in the world, richest nation in the world, right, to have no choice but to call this one guy to beg him to maintain his system of satellites, so that the war effort can continue, I think that's a bad fucking system. And I think when the only solution here is the richest man in the world who has $255 billion, which means, I mean, granted, let's do some quick maths. I'm not the best at math, but let's say 400 million a year annually and divide that by 255 billion. Okay. So that can't be right. Is that right? Let me do this again. Four hundred thousand million by two five five zero 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 zero. That's two hundred fifty five million zero zero zero. Okay. Okay, so it's it is right. That's fucking insane. So the cost that it would cost for Elon Musk to maintain this too, keep in mind this four hundred million a year, which he cannot afford. For these satellites to keep up, is point. Oh, I got to move the decimal point twice, right? It's point one five percent of his net worth. So, point one five percent of his net worth. Someone please check my math because I have, yeah, I have point zero zero one five. But I'm pretty sure the, it's been a while since I've been in math class, but the, the first two digits are like, if you get one, then that's 100%. So if it was like 0.5, that's like 50%, right? So you kind of have to, I guess, ugh. it's point. It's it's if a fraction, a fraction, fraction, fraction of his net worth. It's, it's less than 1%, okay? Um, and Andrew's math is correct. Elon Musk's net worth is almost 640 times greater than $400 million. And this is what it would cost annually estimated to keep the Starlink system up in Ukraine. But here's the kicker is not only are they look, he also has them by the balls, right? He has Ukraine by the balls and he has the U.S. government by the balls because now that our infrastructure, our war infrastructure in that country is dependent on a private individual who can withdraw it, even though it wouldn't cost him anything, and even though he, he gave willingly before, right? He said, oh, I'm going to donate the system. Guess what happens? Well, uh, the taxpayer dollars that you and I pay, this is what really fucking gets me. The, the money that you don't have a choice to pay out that goes into the U.S. government reserves. 400 million of that now, somewhere around that, is going directly to SpaceX, to Elon Musk, to continue this war in Ukraine. Annually, right? The article, spoiler alert, goes in to tell you that uh, Elon Musk came to a deal with the U.S. government, with the U.S. military, with the, uh, his hostage situation was Successful. So now we're paying out $400 million a year to make someone who's already worth $255 billion and who has already shown that he's willing to use his wealth in ways that are antagonistic to the continuation of life on Earth, to our well-being. We're paying that motherfucker to do it. And this is... This is a symptom of a greater sickness. You know, I, like like many of you, I came up during the the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Well, when you look at the profits of, of those wars, well, you look at the you look at the debt that America went into, the amount of money it paid out. Something like uh, trillions. I want to say trillions. I know at least about a trillion dollars, which is, and it, it's, it's, sometimes you say a number, it doesn't even fucking make sense, right? A trillion, what, what is a trillion dollars? What, that's just, that's made up. But that's how much that plus more was spent on the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, which accomplished a whole lot, as you can see, uh, really changed things. But when you look at where the profits of those, proceeds went to that we paid out for that war and that we're still having to pay out in taxes. Uh, The profits, 90% of those profits went to private military weapons manufacturers and contractors. Okay? So capitalists who were profiting off of the continuation of war directly into the military-industrial complex. So this is a system where It is the norm for billionaire playboys and the richest of the rich who have the worst incentives, incentives to either continue wars or to the power to individually affect them and their outcomes. The only solution that is offered by the current system is for us to pay those people to try to play nice with us and to try to and tell them that we'll be good. We'll listen to their concerns. Um, if you live in a democracy, there should never be a time where someone can buy themselves into the conversation. If you actually believe in what democracy is supposed to be, right? Everyone gets a vote. All votes are weighted equally. Yada yada do, yabba daba do, baby. It's that easy. Uh, that's not what we're living in. It's just not. And I, I, I really wanted to focus on the Elon Musk Ukraine example, again, regardless of what you think about the war, because here's a current example of one person's ability to affect our entire foreign policy in that region, to affect whether people live or die. I'm going to give you a, a spoiler alert, too, of that article, and I'll, I'll post the article for people to look at. Um, because there's a couple more things I want to talk about in regards to, to Elon Musk. And then I I, I believe uh, word on the street is that uh, Dr. Cornell West is going to be on Savvy Sabs. So, you know, that's probably uh, worth listening to. Uh, but but uh, there's a moment here where there are Ukrainians who are in the battlefield who are getting shot at. Okay. again, I don't care what you actually think about the war or its justifications or whether that's a good thing or a bad thing right now, because that doesn't matter here. Right. But the reality is they're in the field. They're getting shot at. And they're unable to either call for support or backup because Musk disables their access. To the Starlink system. So he temporarily shuts it down. While they're in the midst of a like a firefight, because Musk has been having a conversation with Putin and thinks that it's time to force people to go to the table, which, again, I agree it's we should be pushing this towards peace. We should be pushing this towards peace negotiations. We have to find a, some kind of solution outside of the continuation of a forever war, especially a forever war where the purpose is, you know, really for the U.S. to fight a proxy war with russia which has never worked but the decision of one person to be able to unilaterally shut that shit down for one person to decide whether or not in a firefight uh, you can call for backup uh, that's a terrifying thought it's it's really terrifying and i i That's not going to get better in a capitalist system. It's just not. It's how we got here in the first place. Now, the, the last part about, really, Elon Musk I want to talk about, and then I'll, you know, people want to call in briefly. I, again, I want this to be kind of a shorter episode. But, the the again, the main purpose of really me even talking about this is uh, if you weren't already spooked by the boogeyman of uh, what what power a billionaire can actually have, I, I kind of want to put the fear of God in people here, uh, because you know sometimes we get people will get caught up in these conversations about a lot of cultural issues and things like that, which are all very important and which all actually, you know, like you're not going to catch me talking about how you're, you're not going to catch me like diminishing the value of protecting trans lives or anything like that. Right. Because those are not cultural issues to those people. Those are material issues, which are affecting them. So let's be clear about that. But I want to talk about scale. Okay, because scale is the real problem here, or it's a big one. Uh, you have a billionaire in Elon Musk who is now pushing against that idea of the woke mind virus. And while he's doing this, he is threatening to take away critical infrastructure for a war that the United States military has now become dependent on. Uh, this is, this is almost like a little bit, almost even different from fascism because it's, it's just kind of direct authoritarian control by corporates like corporations and and the, the, the most elite among us. I mean, that's really what it is, right? It's not even like the government, I guess it is a government kind of capitulating to them, but the control really lies with Elon. So I think there's a connection between... I don't want to ramble too much. I think... I want to talk a little bit about Elon Musk and his tenure at Twitter, right? We all know uh, the value of Twitter as a company has plummeted since he's taken over. The amount of um, just dumbass changes and stupid shit that he's done, the rebranding uh, of Twitter into X, the censoring of left-wing voices uh, while empowering and sort of raising up right-wing voices. Uh, We've all seen how crazy uh, it's been. His insistence on free speech while negating all speech that he does not like and promoting speech that he agrees with, hosting Ron DeSantis as a presidential candidate, even though it was a fucking disaster that launch, but then not having a, a, a Twitter room at all for any other candidate you know he's it's very clear that he's purchased twitter to he could take whatever loss on it it doesn't matter like he could they could lose all of its value he's just fucking fine people because the us government's already paying him 400 million a year just for the spacex uh, starlink satellites in ukraine so this money is fucking fugazi to him right but he's using it to, as a method to control the conversation, and why why is that? well, uh, he has the power to he's, he's It's more valuable to him in his mind to shape the entirety of the American cultural context, a nation which he's not even a fucking part of, man. like this is, dude is from South Africa. Right? Not to say, like, you can come to America and be an American and everything like that. You have just as much of a say, whatever. But this is some... If you talk about shit like, oh, the Constitution, the President's supposed to be born in America, or born of the soil. This is how you know, like, all the people talk about the sanctity of the Constitution and all this other stuff. Not all of them, but if they're out there supporting what Elon Musk is doing right now, it's bullshit. Because... Do you think the Founding Fathers envisioned uh, a dictatorship from a South African billionaire running the entire cultural conversation, running the war efforts for your military? That's fucking insane, guys. That is nuts. That's, That's crazy. That's honestly crazy. It doesn't make any sense. There's no argument you can make for like, oh, this is constitutionally what the... the the founders were supposed to be about yada, 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 bada bing, bada boom, zoop, zoop, zap. Uh, That's not the case. Yet here we are with uh, Elon Musk buying up Twitter, trying to create, you know, uh, he's been throttling what uh, websites are directed or what websites people are directed to. He's been throttling which stories are uh prioritized over other ones he's also prioritizing or he's been throttling uh his next thing something came out today that he's going to get rid of the headlines to news articles and this is right after the ronan farrow article so when you post things on twitter you won't even be able to see the headline to the article you'll have to click in uh so he can destroy traffic to other news sites uh Look, there's, there's plenty I can talk about here. There's plenty I can really go into with this. But again, the, the main point is this. Uh, I don't think you can have a democracy when your same system allows people to accumulate, accumulate so much wealth that they can completely bypass all democratic processes and i don't think that's a controversial opinion and i have not heard yet a good explanation from any kind of libertarian or any of these free market people free market people the irony of calling it a free market when the u.s government is forced at this point maybe not completely forced but pretty forced to if they want to have ukraine have satellites They got to pay this motherfucker $400 million a year, Elon Musk, right? Like the, I haven't heard a market solution to this. And it's this sort of gaming of the system that has allowed people like Elon Musk to accumulate as much wealth as he has. And other articles too are really good at going into the fact that a lot of Elon Musk's wealth was inflated for a long time and, is dependent in large part on government subsidies. He is subsidized. We are paying for this motherfucker to tell us about a woke mind virus. We're paying for this guy to decide whether or not he's going to provide satellites to Ukrainians in war. We're, we're, paying, for, we're paying to have to force generals to get on the phone with this guy to ask him, pretty please, can we keep fighting the war? Um, that is, uh, that's a failed system. And when people talk about, look, if you're talking to people about Elon Musk, or you're talking to people about what the real problems are in, in America, you are, I'm becoming more and more convinced that you're really not saying shit unless you're talking about the, the, the cash Unless you're talking about the systemic, the system, how this system allows individual billionaires to circumvent democracy. How this system allows individual billionaires to have power over life and death. Literally. I'm not just talking figuratively. Literally. And it's not just Elon Musk. We can talk about insurance companies. We can talk about the healthcare system. We could talk about uh, all these oil companies and these energy producers who are somehow now using this uh, a new theory of, of climate change being real, but it's just a way for politicians to control us, man. What the fuck are we talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? Listen, if you're a good capitalist... If a really good capitalist never lets a crisis go to waste, they will fucking create the crisis and then sell you the solution to it, a false solution. They will set your house on fire and then sell you water in bottles to try to put it out. That's what the system is. As long as the incentive structure is profits over everything, they don't have another fucking there's no other way. And now, I answer this question first, um, and then I'd, I'd love to talk to Andrew. It's been a minute. Uh, but uh, North asks, in, in your mind, is the most important change needed to kill citizens united and or any law that lets corporations donate to politicians? Uh, it's an important step, but I'll be honest. The most important thing is to overthrow capitalism, straight up. You You cannot you citizens united and that kind of decision is an outgrowth of a system that prioritizes profits over everything and that allows for the private ownership of the means of production it allows because you will always continually run into that problem of citizens united being passed again and again and again and again and again again, because the incentive because because the system of your society allows individuals like Elon Musk to accumulate to extract wealth from every other part of the society and accumulate so much of it that now they can shape policy like this and unless you unless you stop that unless you actually address that you're just you're going to get the same shit over and over and over again you're going to get the boom bust cycles you're going to get the 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 uh, Citizens United type decisions because uh, never underestimate that. Look, there, there's two parts of it. One, power will, will always in a capitalist system. If it's if it's less expensive to break the law, to kill, to cheat, to lie, to make the money. Uh, you're always incentivized to do it as a capitalist. That's what I mean, look at look at the the fines that we give companies that violate regulations. They are never more than the profits that they make from violating the regulations. That is nothing, right? So that's part one. Uh, in a system that promotes profit over everything, uh, if you can externalize a cost, and if you can make more profit from uh, breaking the law, then the fine would be. Then you're going to do it. And then the second aspect is this. Fuck you, money is a real thing. I don't know how much of you... Look, we were talking earlier about how much it would actually cost Elon Musk as a percentage of his wealth to continue to fund the satellites in, in Ukraine. It's less than 1%. It's like, it's like 0.0015% or something like that. It is so minuscule to his actual wealth. It is like point, It's It's so fucking low. So it's not just about money to him. It's about power. And I'll tell this story and then I'll be done. But I worked on a case once. Where we represented a, a locally, pretty well off person. I think they owned like some car, dealerships or or some kind of factory or some some small, small company, but they did well for the area, right? And they worked with some company to try to build a custom home. Uh, and I had to read through all the documents. It was it was going to be a like a four or five million dollar home. They had all the rooms laid out. It was gorgeous. They had the architect put up all the plans and everything, and it was so close to coming together. They had the site; it was great. Everyone was happy, and then the uh, person who was going to build the home, uh, the homeowners or the the potential the people who are funding this project, uh, the client, they wanted to have natural gas to heat the home, and the home builder tried and tried, and they couldn't get the natural gas. And then started kind of misleading them as to whether or not they could get the natural gas. Oh, well, we let them on for a couple of months until they finally said, oh, we're going to use propane. It will be fine. Whole deal fell apart. And these people had already spent maybe like 500 grand on the home, on building the home itself. Um, it was maybe a little less than that, maybe 250 grand on some of the planning and the details, whatever. So they sued this this architect, this 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 home builder for basically leading them on, telling them that they could get natural gas when they knew it couldn't get natural gas. Right. Um, And here's the kicker. They ended up spending more money on their legal fees on the work we were doing, then they would recover from this builder. So if the, if they had spent 500,000 on the builder, they spent a million with us. If they spent 250,000 on the builder, they spent, you know, more than that with us. And you realize, cause I remember talking, uh, you talk to the client you say, Hey, look at a certain point, this is an economic decision. You know, look, could we sue them? Yeah. Could you win? Yeah. You're not guaranteed to win. And also, you're spending more money than not. Go your separate ways. Have him cut you. We can work out a settlement. We can do something. And they said, no. I want him, I want to I want to hurt. I want him to hurt. It's personal. And you start to realize that. And this is someone who's not even that rich, right? But what you realize is if you have enough money. To be petty. If you don't have to worry about paying a fucking hospital bill. About paying any kind of bill. About educating your kids. About having your house cleaned. About any of this shit. You can pay to just make someone suffer. Or you can pay. And in this situation. I got to be honest. I think. I, You know. Maybe it's the, the lawyer in me. But. They, this guy was leading them along don't get me wrong he was no innocent saint but what you do see is that when people have real fuck you money sometimes it's really not about the money it's about their it's about their pride it's about their fucking ego and sometimes they just want to hurt they want you to hurt they want to hurt somebody. And they'll pay whatever it costs to do that. And that's not only the only case I had like that. I've had multiple. And that's what's fucking crazy about it. Because these people, shit, even if these people were worth $100 million, Elon Musk is worth more than 800 times that amount. He could say fuck you to every one of those $100 million people. He could fuck all of them. And when you have that much money, you can hold a vendetta against a nation. You can hold a vendetta against an entire population. You could say fuck you with fuck you money to an entire class of society. To the U.S. fucking military, to the boogeyman, you could say, fuck you, pay me. I'm sorry, that's a problem. That's a a fucking problem. I don't care how benevolent the Lord is, right? I don't care how benevolent, Elon Musk could have been like, fucking Mr. Rogers up in here. Look, if I was going to have a billionaire, like multi-billionaire overlord, it'd probably be Mister Rogers. I'm not going to lie, or Bob Ross. I'd take it. Fuck it. But that's not the point, right? The point is that's a dangerous. That's a society that's unstable. That can't continue. Where does that lead to? It's led to here. It's led to a situation where one man can decide on a whim whether or not soldiers in a field who are fighting for their lives, even if you don't believe in their cause, they're literally in the process of fighting for their lives, whether or not they can call for backup or not. And that's capitalism. That's our current economic system. Let's take a couple callers. Uh, Andrew, what's going on, man? Long time no see. How you been? Welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites, baby.
1: Oh, it's good to be back, bud. I love the fucking coffee.
0: Oh, thanks. The it's sheet, actually red wine. Sheets. I'm a, I'm a wine bitch today. So.
1: Oh, I meant in the waiting room, dog. In
0: oh, the, okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> in the reception.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good coffee. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a nice Ethiopian bean. Um, <laughs> big fan of it, so, yeah.
1: I kind of forgot there's coffee that's, like, African coffee.
0: Yeah, As it's always, pretty good. I'm thinking,
1: like, America's yeah. where the coffee's at, but then I figure there's tons of, like, chocolate and coffee plantations over in Africa.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure is. Yeah.
1: Also, dude, you, 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 you make it a really hard decision to make, but I'm going with Bob Ross over <laughs> Mr. Rogers, and that's no shade to Mr. Rogers at all. I love Mr. Yeah. Rogers, and I think, like, Maybe he would even do a better job at it, but I'm just so uh, I have such a soft spot in my heart for Mr. Mr. Bob Ross and uh, yeah, and all yeah. of his little animals and that he saves in his paintings and shit.
0: Yeah, he's a good one. He's a real good one. I, and I think I yeah. think he he probably has a little more uh, a, a better sense of like reality in some ways too, right? Because he's got yeah he's got a little more edge to him and a little more background and stuff. So um, yeah.
1: yeah but, yeah, Mr. Rogers is, like, is, is seems like a little more of a shut-in, you know, for, like, how much he likes neighbors. He likes to entertain the yeah. neighbors over tea indoors. Yeah. And Bob yeah. Ross is, like, you know, backpacking around Alaska when he's not being a drill sergeant. And then
0: yeah. gives yeah. gives
1: up being a drill sergeant to, um, you know, to be the most soft-spoken um, right. Right. painting yeah. instructor yeah. in history. So, yeah, there's, like, this organic... Uh, Love from Bob Ross, even if Mister Rogers has the the book learnings. Yeah, no,
0: I think I think that's right. right. And the last thing I'll say is I think I think the fact that he was a drill sergeant and then decided I don't like yelling at people
1: I'm not gives about him this life.
0: Yeah, really. yeah, he, he, I, I think it gives him the the like the edge and the like he's he's been in the dirt enough to where he's he I, I think it gives him the the like the edge and the, like he's, he's been in the dirt enough to where he's, he understands why we need to avoid the dirt. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you need someone with a little dirt. He understands why we need to avoid the dirt. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you need someone with a little dirt. Yeah. Just because they, they've been there. They know how it tastes and they know why we need to get out of it. So like if dirt comes, it's like, well, they know dirt. This ain't nothing different for them, right? They've, they've, they're familiar with that kind of shit, uh, which is exactly why they're doing what they're doing now. Cause we don't go back there.
1: I I'd bet money that if Bob Ross knew about veterans for, for peace, he would be, um, a veteran for peace, you know?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I get that feeling. I know what you're saying about, yeah, I, I, uh, I went and did the stupid thing and then saw everything up close. So that's why I know what I know.
0: Mm. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. What? But dude, I was going to bring up a couple of things. Um, you know, I, I think you're right to say like, oh, it is fascism. And then I saw um, Nistrat put uh, techno feudalism uh, yeah. in the chat. Those both describe it well, but um, I think oligarchy works just fine. You know, like people kind of yeah you don't have to quibble with people over what techno feudalism or fascism exactly is. And people understand when you say oligarchy, that that's what we have. Right. And I think that, um, it's so important. Uh, David Graeber's book debt, the first 5,000 years. And then also the three part series that Michael Hudson's working on right now about, uh, debt in the ancient world. Um, and how debt was managed by governments and how oligarchies and, And, um, you know, like more like popular uh, kings would basically do battle back and forth over who gets to control the flow of money in society for hundreds of years or thousands of years. I think it's so interesting and um, and it's just kind of informative for people to see that, like, yeah, we don't really have a democracy. Um, And even like the older democracies of Greece and Rome fell prey to the exact same type of of, uh, oligarchic control. Um, and then another thing I was thinking about is, um, you know, I believe it was not just Edward Snowden, but other like NSA officials and people who've worked for, um, you know, intelligence agencies, whether private or, or government, you know, run in the United States have basically said that, geez, we, you know, we wish we had what Google even had even has like the NSA wishes they could have what Google has in its capabilities. And, you know, NASA is slowly, uh, you know, atrophying at the, you know, at their expense, SpaceX is growing and mm-hmm. blue Origin is are, are growing. And I think that on the one hand, I agree with you that Elon Musk kind of does have them by the balls with this decision, but like not really if the government were not, Um, entirely controlled by the same class that Elon Musk is a part of. They don't want to give up the jig, you know, if they, if they all of a sudden show that like, Oh, actually we can just like cancel all of your contracts for the international space station. And we'll do that all through NASA again. And um, we're also going to cancel all of our contracts for Starlink and Oh, look, your company's not worth anything anymore. And we're going to use eminent domain to buy it and pay you fair market value even though we just crash the market value because your company's value depends on the state to, to be valuable. Hmm. Um, so it's like, and with Google too, like all these big tech giants, Microsoft, they have, um, they have grown largely through, um, you know, to the stature that they're at now of like enormous giants that could compete with nations and, you know, militaries and all this. Right. They've, they do that at the, at the pleasure of the state basically. And as as long as the same ruling class that runs the corporations also runs the state, that's just what you're going to have. And I think it's also important. I, you know, I mentioned Snowden a second ago. I I actually mistakenly called him an NSA, uh, you know, official. He worked for a private contractor when he had all of that information that he leaked. He worked for Booz Allen Hamilton as a contractor for the NSA and for other intelligence agencies, it's pretty funny. He went from working for um, the CIA to working for Dell to working for Booz Allen Hamilton, contracting for the NSA, basically doing the same work the whole time. And so that's that's you know I I think it's important when you brought up earlier, like it's kind of fascism, but it's like a little fuzzier around the edges. Like what's yeah, what exactly sure. do you call this? But it is the same thing. It's kind of the diffusion of uh, responsibility to give plausible deniability to the government, right? But they're like, you know, this public-private partnership scheme that's giving all this, this money to numerous different uh, private owners of, of productive power, um, you know, they are working in, in this weird synergy. Like with the Twitter files, you saw that the yeah. government was yep. basically telling these private companies how to write their terms of service so that they could then censor and then these companies are also buying political campaigns and so there's this weird um you know you know two different circles kind of feeding in on each other as far as like who's in control of who well again it's like don't think of it necessarily like that it's the same class of people who identify with each other through you know it could be as as simple as like nepotism and you know, went to the same country club as kids, all went to Yale, etc. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then some of them went to work for the CIA, some of them went to work for some law firms that work with the CIA. They they identify with each other um, because of financial and other forms of power.
0: That's true. That's true. I, I, I think, I, I guess the only place where I would kind of well, there, there's two kinds of things going on here, right? There's like the, if you're in the Ivy league sort of good old boys club of you've been through all the right institutions, you have the correct names and and references and everything on your resume, you get into these different positions of power, right? And you help each other out, you know, like you, you bring each other up to the Supreme Court, you uh, wheel and deal with each other. You're all one big, happy, incestuous family. And you represent classes of people and populations of people which you claim are your countrymen, but which for all practical purposes, you're a fucking alien, right? They're aliens to you, at least, because um, you have no real connection or or, or affinity with them. And, and so you all end up thinking the same, right? Uh, you have the same thoughts on foreign policy. You have the same thoughts on... Uh, economics, on what's possible and not possible, all of this stuff, right? So there, there, there's a real truth to that, and they do kind of like instillate each other from the criticisms of the masses or uh, critique, right? It's, it's, it's a Joe Biden, it, it's a kind of system that makes Joe Biden and all his campaign around him think that the Bidenomics is somehow the message he should run on in his campaign. It's, it's fucking insane, if, you're, if you have any connection at all with just actual how most reality. people are actually living, yeah, reality, it's, in, it's an insane thing. But in their little bubble, it makes complete sense, right? So there's a lot of truth to that. But I do want to push back a little bit on one aspect of it because I don't think it's so much – I think sometimes – and maybe you're not even saying this uh, because I don't think you, – you didn't say this directly. But I think how I've thought of it before – Is that, oh, look, all of these people who are in these same social circles and in these same universities and the like, they come out and they're all friends and they all work together and they're doing they're all doing this stuff because they they want to be part of the exclusive club and they are. And there's plenty of that going on. But I think what's more nefarious about these institutions and about the people who come from them is that. What they're really taught is to bow to the power of the almighty dollar more than anything else. What they're taught is to fucking conform. That's what they're taught because let's let's keep it real. Elon Musk is a bit of an outsider, if we're being honest. He's not born in America. He, He was raised a bit, I think, in Canada as well and did not... Go to—I don't think he went to Harvard or Yale or anything like that. He's not in these social circles. But the people in these social circles who are ed- educated at these universities and who come through this system bow to just get a little bit of taste of the sweat of his nuts. <laughs> they bow to this motherfucker. They 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 let him shape policy. They they blow up their own fucking great space station and shit to to make all this stuff happen, and I'm seeing that he went to Penn. Yeah, I guess that counts, but like Penn counts, I guess. But it's like, he's not, it's, it's, you will see, I believe that if it were anyone else who had this much money and was telling people what to do, they would do it. Because what you are taught is, it, it goes back, you know, it's what Chomsky talks about with manufacturing consent, but this is like directly manufacturing consent. You um, you are taught to be a, I mean, l- l- let's just look at the process of getting into Harvard or something like that. And I say this, <laughs> I should, okay, I, I don't know how much to reveal about myself. I didn't go there, but my siblings... Are they went okay? My grandpa went to fucking Yale. Okay, don't look me up. Don't do it. So but
1: (laughs) I'm already halfway through typing it out. But (laughs)
0: don't but but here here's the crazy thing about it is there's a lot of like you look at the things you have to do to get in, right? There are books and and techniques and uh And, uh, you know, articles, coaches about how to frame your resume the right way, what to emphasize on your resume to be able to get into these schools, to how to, even the process of getting into these schools itself is one where, okay, so maybe you want to stand out to make your resume stand out, but even the process of how to make your resume stand out is a formulaic one. So the process of standing out is a conformist act. They want you to conform to stand out in the ways that they want to put you into their school so they can teach you the same shit. And it's, it's really a problem. It really is a problem. Like it would be, you know, it's not to say that good people don't come out of these schools or that uh there are probably plenty of fields in, in a lot of these schools that uh, they're really teaching people. They probably have some of the people who are the cutting edge, right? Like, I don't think, I I wouldn't think someone like Cornell West is like a dirty little conformist who wants you to be a good little capitalist or whatever, right? I'm sure there are good like minds and, and, and different philosophies and stuff, but that's, the point is that to at every step along the way of success, for a lot of these people, the formula to do it in and of itself causes you to kind of conform, right? I don't see fucking, like, it's hard to say because sometimes you get someone like, um, I don't know, like Tom Morello, who goes to, uh, you know, Tom Morello went to Harvard. And I, wanted to, I, I wouldn't call him a conformist, right? Even though there's sometimes he's like, vote for Biden. But then again, I've said that too. And um I don't know. I am a bit of a like, I can't sit here and play like I'm Captain Radical, you know? Like I'm, I don't know what I am anymore, to be frank. Like I'm, I'm just confused and scared about what the fuck is happening and see all these people who are supposed to have solutions and they don't. And Tom Morello, by the way, is a guitarist for Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Um, But I, I do think that there is a, When you think about certain – when you think about things like the way we talk about economics, even those of us who don't know shit about economics, there's things – there's certain phrases that just come up. They're in the lexicon, and we all know them, even if some of us don't know what the fuck they mean, and the people who know what the thing means all think it's like inalienable or in – like, set in stone, it's absolutely irrefutable law. Things like the discipline of the market. Things like efficiency in the markets. Things like rational actors. You know? Like, how come it is that every time we hear about economics, or anyone talks about economics in the news or whatever shit like that, uh, how come they don't talk about externalities? Right? How come they don't talk about, like... Uh, how that's part of the efficiency of getting a price down. Like you. no one talks about how you could take a completely capitalist ideology and show with their own rules that, oh, well, if a company can get away with polluting the entire earth because they're going to externalize that cost, on other people, and not have to pay for it, then they will. They have every market incentive to do that. We never hear about that. We just hear about the efficiencies of the market. The market works itself out. It's like fucking magic. Like, that's indoctrination, right? That That's the kind of indoctrination that I think people who go to these institutions and who uh, are part of this system are taught to accept. And I think one of the crazy things... Uh, not to make this a, a, a me hour, but I mean, it, whatever, right? Like it's, uh, it, it's, there's so much unlearning that needs to be done to like, to even begin to see a problem with clarity that I find myself doing that it's like, It seems like I I used to be on the Elon Musk train. Oh, yeah, he's a genius. He'll save the world. Like, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, it's where did I learn this shit? What? Why would I ever idolize a guy who's just like some fucking guy? Just some fucking rich guy. Like, what the fuck does he do? And it's like you said, I saw you mention too, in the comments uh, earlier, Andrew, you know, Tesla, this company that he founded, co-founded it and not only did he co-found it he paid money apparently paid money and fought in like a lawsuit in order to be able to call himself a co-founder so it was pre-existing he's not even fucking genius behind it but it's marketing and it's this it's so much like what fucking gets me and then i'll shut up andrew but you the points you always bring up somehow always make me like kind of think of these things on like think these things out loud and try to figure out what the fuck bothers me so much about it all. Um so thank you for that, for just having that ability to do that. But uh you know what fucking bothers me about all the 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 musk shit and the advertising is and and the politics of today and even our foreign policy and what's on the news is so much of it is based on like advertising and and I don't want to use gaslighting, but it's gaslighting. It's all trying to sell you something, right? There's no longer like a, a, you don't turn on the news and they're trying to tell you what's actually going on in Ukraine anymore. What they're trying to do is sell you an opinion that they want you to have on Ukraine, right? The way they highlight different stories that are all pro- keeping the war in Ukraine going the way that like, I saw a fucking post on Twitter. And this is why I quit Twitter to begin with. And I should get the fuck back off. I saw some motherfucker on Twitter from like some Hawaiian person who's obviously being paid by Biden, clearly being paid by the the democratic national, whatever clearly is said this whole thing that like had clipped either a a video of like either Crystal Ball or Brianna Joy Gray or someone who was criticizing Biden's lack of response in Maui to the fires, and she was like, "I am a proud Hawaiian citizen, and Biden is the people are with Biden and stuff like that, and and we Hawaiians will not take these non-native Hawaiians who are here criticizing uh, the response. Biden is the way, and we have to vote blue." I'm just they there like, "What the fuck." motherfuckers don't have houses you dumb bitch sorry i don't mean to be like that but in my mind i'm like what the fuck are you talking about you crazy what the fuck are you you're clearly being paid to gaslight people into thinking that inaction on something that affects the people that you purport to love on something that uh, directly affects the people that you are here out here talking about are suffering you're you're now just a, a way to advertise for a non-response for doing nothing for those people.
1: What the Bye. fuck? Like Re- reply to that tweet with the uh, the uh, Malcolm X video talking about uh, house Negroes. House Negroes. That's what it yeah. is. But it's 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 like
0: like I I look you know. I kind of understand why people are going fucking crazy. Imagine if that's all of your information. That's all your news? Is people just gaslighting you all fucking day? Is like, what the fuck do these people think is going to happen? And meanwhile, you know, one thing, like, a lot of this article with Ronan Farrow, there's a lot of it that's like, oh, it's pretty kind of lib is what I was thinking. There's not very much, like... He could have gone harder in on certain things. But I give credit to the fact that, like, the Starlink part, just talking about it, more people should be fucking talking about that. More people should be talking about the fact that a billionaire can just decide whether a war kind of continues. Not just whether it continues, but, like, whether soldiers are dying on the battlefield. Just unilaterally be like, nah, I'm, I'm just cutting it off. Like, the fact that even Putin is calling Musk, like, what the fuck? Who the fuck is this guy? Fuck this motherfucker, man. Sorry, I'm getting, like, I'm going (laughs) off Sorry, y'all. I'm not trying to get all crazy with it, but it's, how does that, like, of course people are going to go insane in a society where no one can tell you the truth. The whole point is to completely, uh, to make you accept your place as a cog in the machine be a good cog be a good fucking cog meanwhile the machine is breaking down and no one can even tell you that like like people treat you like you're crazy when you point it out i mean you know it's 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 fucking terrifying and now you have elon musk who owns twitter who is consciously able to just Continue that machine only now to his potential, his benefit, what he wants. And, you know, these guys who want to save the world, they say they want to save the world. Look, like, step one, Here, here's just one thing I'll say, and I swear to God, I'm shutting the fuck up. Um, <laughs> I've said that like five times, right, dude? It's like, it's like, but, you know. I
1: stopped counting.
0: It, <laughs> 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 okay. My bad, Andrew. Okay. No,
1: you're, you're good, though.
0: But but Elon Musk talks about like one of the parts of this article that I found fascinating is, you know, Elon Musk sounds like I want to save the world or I want the world to be saved. I'm really concerned about the world being saved, which I think is true. But there's also the part that says he is obsessed with being the one to save it. And that's a problem because the first step in my mind to being able to save the world is being able to sacrifice yourself for it right if you want the credit if you want the the name recognition if you really had the opportunity to save the world and no one ever knew who you were never knew your fucking name your name would be erased from history you had like some genie you had some guarantee some ability that said hey you will save the world but no one will ever know you or they'll hate you or something like that even the hate you part is like uh like you're you're erased from existence right that's how you know you want to fucking save the world because as soon as the credit part comes in what the fuck does that have to do with saving the world who cares if someone if people are healthy and they have peace and they have housing and they're fed and they can continue on then your job is done like they can continue on into the future and make something like give it to them. It's their world too, man. Like it doesn't need to be you who has to do the saving, but okay, now I'm actually done and I am not going to drink any more wine.
1: <laughs> I, I might have some downstairs. I could maybe join you, but I'm going to stay one more bit and then I'll get out the way. So Lysol and Silicon can chime in for a good while. Sure. Um, I, I just wanted to kind of revisit one of the things you mentioned a few times about um, you know, the, the cultural hegemony of different narratives, how, that, how those narratives are propped up in, in media, in university systems, et cetera. And also, like, where exactly do people lie within the ruling class? Like, you're right to say, I think that Musk is a bit of an outsider, kind of almost like Trump. Yeah. Um, in the sense that he's definitely a part of the class because, um, for some people to fight against, uh, Musk's interest means fighting against their own interests, even if they don't particularly like him and they don't associate him with like themselves as much as they might, some of their other compatriots from Yale or whatever, or their fucking country club, who cares?
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. They,
1: they, um, they, they tolerate him being there, but you also do see like, and even this, um, this Farrow article. I feel like is a is a part of this trend, which is trying to kind of separate Musk, you know, make an example of him Mm -hmm. where where people can be mad about Musk owning Twitter. And they absolutely have never once in their life thought about the fact that Jeff Bezos owns The Washington Post. Yeah. And what effect that has on cultural narrative. So they can almost use him as like a sacrificial lamb if they if they they could eventually and say, look, we fixed the problem because we got rid of the bad billionaire but meanwhile Ronan Farrell doesn't understand how or want to whichever critique the actual system that creates people like Musk and it's not just that Musk is a bad person it's it's that it's that the entire system is it's Ronan Farrell's system that he prefers too that produces results like this um and yes. so yeah i could keep going on there's other little parts i wanted to touch on about like the no, south that's africa perfect. Connection with do the do others, it, do know. it, because you're
0: dropping knowledge. Like that's that's exactly right. Andrew is the the sacrificial lamb part is exactly right. They criticize. Oh, it, the problem is not billionaires or a system that allows people to become billionaires and have this much power individually. It's that the wrong people get the power sometimes, and we got to get rid of them, and then everything will be fine. That's insane. But you're exactly right. If you have to hit on other stuff, just preach.
1: Well, yeah, I guess one other itch I wanted to scratch is um, talking about the South Africa to Canada connection. Um, yeah. And like the the real kind of uh, the the class and race construction of the of the ruling class across all these different nations, all the the British and Dutch Um, and German settler colonial nations, you know, there aren't really many German settler colonial nations anymore, but back in the day when, uh, when Zimbabwe was um, Rhodesia there, you know, these, these are, um, you know, these are like artificial nations that are built on the most violent foundations you could possibly imagine. Um, And, and the fact that like, Capital and capitalists can freely flow between them and also the cultural hegemony of these ideas about market efficiency and neoliberalism where everything needs to be turned into a market and, and it needs to be a public-private partnership so that there's Google instead of like a state um you know tech power. Yeah. Uh, and that, that could potentially have more democratic control. It's like these are all uh, parts of these same systems. And so I think like Elon Musk being from South Africa yeah, in some ways that might set him a little bit apart from the rest of Silicon Valley, maybe. Uh, but also you think about like Bill Gates, uh, he's not from another country, but he didn't go to, he didn't finish any of those uh, prestigious Ivy right. Ivy league uh, universities. What he had was a family connection to, I believe the Rockefellers that was able mm. to purchase him his first little f- footstep in the doorway of capital. Mm. Yeah, um, and so I, I think like there's, there's, um, there certainly are these divisions, you know, I think maybe the most extreme example where, uh, where the rest of the ruling class shut the door on somebody is probably Pablo Escobar. Like Pablo Escobar played the game of capitalism, uh, just as ruthless and shitty and in what, you know, whatever manner he wanted as, and, and as ostentatious as the rest of, you know, most billionaires, most premier capitalists. Sure. Um, but, but there were just some idiosyncrasies in the way that he was doing it. And and there was enough of a contrast between his personal interest and the rest of that ruling class that they decided to make an example of him. And so I think that, um, you know, maybe Pablo Escobar is a little too cool for me to compare him to Elon Musk in that way. But like um, I think that there is a little bit of something there where where it is fucked that Musk has this power. People like Ronan Farrow and the, you know, the Biden administration are not going to not only use the levers of power that the government has to, you know, mitigate the situation where Elon Musk has control over them and they they could easily um, take over parts of Elon Musk's company, cancel the SpaceX contracts that make that company valuable and take the assets if the state wanted them. Um, That could totally happen, but they won't they won't do it because they haven't Elon Musk hasn't reached that level um, of contrast yet with the rest of the ruling class, Mm -hmm. where at this point, they're trying to chastise him publicly and critique him publicly. Um, They try to they're trying to paint him as being a little too close to China in some of the right wing media circles um, and that, oh, maybe he's like secretly more in the pocket of China. Uh, So they're clear. They're clearly on multiple fronts concerned in some ways about Elon Musk, but again, like the the law as long as their class interests that Venn diagram remain the same with Elon Musk's personal interests, he will continue to enjoy that um, position of power that he has. So anyway, Clyde, yeah. I I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce out of the the mic, but uh, take it away. Excellent episode. Don't uh, silence yourself. We we're here for your rants. Uh, we like that. So,
0: <laughs> well, know. I'm here for the for callers like you, Andrew. Um... I appreciate it, and I'm still—we're still doing the 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 legislation thing, man. I'll keep you in in um, I'll keep you in the loop. I gotta have a call with you at some point. Uh, yeah, to,
1: you know how to get a hold of me just whenever you guys are ready. I'm good to roll for
0: sure. Right now, we're still doing like we're just writing the bill. We're not going through the the donor thing. Uh, Bobby saw the light, so we're we're good on that. So I'll 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 keep you posted on. What's right on. on.
1: Bobby's appreciate Bobby's that. on the, the same unlearning curve as the rest of us.
0: We're, we're, there's a lot of unlearning a lot of us have to do, myself very much included. So it's you know, it's it's a, the willingness to to want to unlearn, <laughs> which matters. So I appreciate you calling, Andrew. Always a pleasure.
1: Yeah, of course, Bye, likewise.
0: All right, take care, man. Next up on the Fred Hampton in the Suites. Light. Hey, bud. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? Doing pretty good. I managed to uh, go to the
2: store yesterday. It's, it's hot here in San Francisco, so I picked up some Otter Pops, and I had time to put them in the fridge. Um, I've got all six flavors. I've got Little Orphan Orange. I've got Sir Isaac Lime. got Poncho Punch. got Louis <laughs> Blue Raspberry, Strawberry Short Kook, and my favorite, Alexander the Grape. So take as many as you want, man. It, it, it was an 80-count 80, 80 box.
0: How... Orphan Orange is one of the names of it. <laughs> of an otter pop? That's yeah. that's awesome. Oh, my God. I'm looking at them right they're, now. Yeah. Strawberry Short. They're tune. all
2: really bad puns from the 30s.
0: <laughs> Alexander the Grape. Oh, that's. Oh, these are great. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Isaac Lime, I don't get, though. What is that? Sir Isaac Lime? Um, it, yeah, it's kind of like a Newton type character. But what the fuck? Let's it's see, just the, Sir Isaac yeah, light.
2: It's like they quit. The Lime guy's holding um like a telescope.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the box right now. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, it's like a Galileo or something, you'd think, not a Newton. Yeah. How the hell? If, you like, if you like the orange ones, take a, take a bunch because those
2: are the ones I don't eat and they always pile up at the fridge by the end of the summer. It's just like 300 orange Otter Pops and my sisters don't like them either. So.
0: so there's 300 little orphan oranges? 300 little orphan oranges? At the end? You're going to get it? <laughs> <You go. laughs> I'm here all night, folks. Uh, you can book me for birthday parties, bar mitzvahs, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't understand how all of these have Louis Blue Raspberry, Strawberry Shortcake. They're all puns, except for Sir Isaac Lime. It's like they just fucking gave up, or whatever. Like, or Little Orphan Orange. I don't orange. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll I'll figure out why they named these things as they did later. But um, I'm sure you had uh, other things to talk about besides. Uh, Pops. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out why they named these things as they did later, but um, I'm sure you had uh, other things to talk about besides uh, Pops. Otter Pops.
2: Yeah, I got a, a, a couple of things. First of all, like how rich do you have to be where there's zero chance that your lawyer bill will ever put you into bankruptcy? Because I think that's the first level of fuck you money, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think... It really depends. Like I mean, 50, Lord, really, could somebody high, with
2: fifty million dollars like use lawfare to get out of pretty much anything because
0: they can afford that? I, I, th- I think so. For the most part, yeah. I mean that that would be about the limit. But then again, I mean, l- how much money, adjusting for inflation, did uh, OJ Simpson have, have the first time around? Because that's um, probably a good market. I know, I know, he got dinged for thirty-five mil, and
2: he didn't hmm. have it anymore. Because you'd paid yeah. it all to the lawyers. Because you'd paid yeah. it all to the lawyers.
0: Yeah. Um, that sounds about right. Inflation calculator. let Inflation see. I could say pretty confidently, if you have $100 million, and as long as most of the things that you do that can make you, I don't know, liable for something are through some kind of shell company or some kind of corporate entity that you can just declare bankruptcy or something for that company and the liability could be assigned for the company itself, then you're probably okay. You probably won't have to worry about that. Shit anymore. So, a hundred yeah. mil, I think, safely, you can do that. And then there's like the ultimate, which I think is probably
2: closer to like 50, 50 billion is that no fuck you money, where you can you can just buy whatever company is you know bothering you. Like there's you know Elon Musk could buy you know say like the fourth the fourth largest cable TV provider in the country just because. I mean, you bought you bought yeah. Twitter. The it's it's kind of yes. like the and, like.
3: Overpaid.
2: The example of, of like yeah. you no know, fuck you, money is like, no, no, no. People are being mean to me on this platform, and the easiest way to do is to take care of that is just to open my checkbook.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That uh, uh if you have fifty billion dollars, you are you're in great shape. Uh the rest of us are not, but you you're gonna be fine. Regardless of what you do to us. Yeah.
2: Sometimes it feels like the, the game of capitalism, uh, specifically like under like tech companies, is a bunch of people invest money in a, in a stock. And then from the very beginning, Mark Zuckerberg slowly but surely sells all the stock he has in his own company. Like, but I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, even then they're, they're putting it in other commodities or other stocks. It's just kind of like if the stock market like crashed, crashed, like very few of these people worth more than $10 billion would would still be a billionaire at this point. safe to say.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Unless,
2: unless they have it in property and then property values, you know, they would, would be the exact same thing. So, like, I think a good hit from Brick really, really do is, you know, I don't know. We got to we got to go fight club. We just got to destroy the Internet and capitalism and stop trying to re- reform it, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think capitalism can be reformed anymore, uh, to be frank. I, I, I think that's kind of a, uh, you know, they talk about – um Base structures and superstructures, uh, and I'm I just learned this last week in my my reading group. But um, you know the superstructures are kind of like everything that has to that 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 is an out, outgrowth of the actual capitalist system itself, uh, or just any the the system itself. It could be communism or, or capitalism or whatever. But they're the outgrowths of it. Uh, the manifestations of the things that come from the base structure, when the base structure is the system itself, right? Is capital? Is capitalism? And there, people who really read their stuff, you're probably hating what I'm saying right now. But this is a, I think the easiest way for me to understand it at a base level. Um, things like Citizens United, things like people becoming ultra capitalists who are able to manipulate societies. Things like who gets into office and you know, campaign finance reform, all of this stuff. All of this is attacking the superstructure. Uh, you can change all of that. And it will come back because. At the end of the day, capitalism developed all that shit. It's an outgrowth of capitalism. Capitalism the base structure of capitalism has not changed. If you don't change the bones in this motherfucker, then don't expect the muscles to be all different. You have to replace the bones, and um, that's kind of where we're at currently. Uh, and I, I I honestly never thought I would... I mean, I gotta be honest. I... I, I I wish you could just change the muscles. I really do. Um, but no one's given me a good explanation as to how that could work. And until I hear that, uh, at this point, even if I heard it at this point, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to convince me otherwise because it's... it's Them's the brakes sometimes. You got to change the system. So... Um, you know, how do you change these bones? I mean, I
2: was I f- I forget if it was Keynes. Some somebody was like, in every in every crisis, the solutions are made out of ideas that are less like lying around. And a, there's a, a connection from like the 1890s populists who like didn't really achieve that much electoral success and kind of like faded back into the into the faded back into the, the kind of general population. But then the ideas, the ideas that were put forth in the Great New Deal were pretty much exact carbon copies of the, of those, those ideas that they'd had before. Sure. And so yeah. I, it's, I, it's the good thing about capitalism is it crashes every five to 10 years. So it, yeah, it, it crashed in 2000, it crashed, or sorry, it crashed in 2007, 2008, and it crashed in 2020 briefly before Biden said here, we will implicitly backstop all of your stocks for an unlimited amount. Go ahead and issue as much commercial paper as you want. Sure. Um, but I think it's a matter of just, like, not not saving it the next time it goes under.
0: Well, that's the thing, too, is that um, – well, the good thing about capitalism, in the way that you mean it, is that it crashes every five to ten years, so it gives you an opportunity to do something. But the bad thing about capitalism is it crashes every five to ten years, and it devastates people. And, you know, if you uh, – the main thing now has to be – I. I, I the crash itself is not good enough because the crash itself facilitates the same conditions for something like fascism. And they always have a better uh, example, or they always have uh, an easier way of uh, explaining or giving people a, an alternative or the illusion of an alternative while providing them and the system with more of the same. Right. But they're not actually providing the alternative. They're providing the illusion of it, and all they have to say is, "Well, it's because transgender, gay swimmers who are black and also Jews are somehow impl- like using critical race theory to make you gay, and that's why uh, that's why you can't stop sucking dick." That's for some reason it's completely nonsense. The reasons, but you can. It's dangerous, right? Because, because the solution, you can provide immediate relief to someone or the immediate thought of relief. Um, it's like religion sometimes, right? Which I'm not, you know, I don't mean to come over here and tell people, oh, don't, religion's fake or this or that. No one fucking knows, okay? No one fucking knows. But that's, that's the point, is if I can convince you just to believe in some magic, the magic of the free market, you know, the magic of discipline in the markets or rationalism, or the magic of, oh, the Jews did it with their giant, I don't know, what's the latest, what are the Jewish space lasers, lasers I heard? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Are we, but people Jews, Jews owe the moon. They're desperate. they're desperate. If you give desperate people, I mean, look, I don't, I don't ever like to like discount anybody really because, um, because you are everybody. You can be anybody. And, you know, I I think it's ironic that people say, well, if I were in your shoes, I'd do something different. No, you fucking wouldn't. You're in their shoes. You're going to do exactly what they did. So if you really want to understand people, it's like you also have to understand the fact that you, too, can end up being a QAnon fucking murderer or fucking whatever, a conspiracy theory. You can end up being any of these things. You're not above that. There's nothing in your fucking blood that makes you better than that, you fuck. You are that. That's you. So every time you see that happening to someone, every time you see someone who's having a mental breakdown or going literally psychotic, guess what? That's the same shit that you are. So I I try not to, you know, judge it too harshly. I mean, at a certain point, you know, it's like it is what it is and... Uh, you can't save everybody or whatever. But when you look at like some of the stuff that QAnon believes and truly believes, it's all fucking magical thinking, right? But it's magical thinking based on like a real problems. And that's fascism. That's what fascism is great at is providing you magic fucking tra la la solutions which don't actually attack the problem and which actually reinforce the structures, which created the problem in the first place. So, you know, um, I, forget I mean, why I was even saying that I,
2: I, I get the argument about the power vacuum being dangerous, but I feel like there, there was, there was some point in 1930s Germany where the void would have been better than what they did and we're in the exact same position like we're on a straight line to fascism democrat republican it doesn't fucking matter like they're 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 t- tightening their grips and they're passing all the laws they need to need to do to get that done and at some point the void will be preferable and when that becomes obvious if it is not obvious already i hope i hope we're ready to jump because like it's there's there literally is no other alternative you know if we just keep we keep reifying the system and supporting it through votes and donors and stuff like that it's it's it's, it's hard to imagine an alternative that would be worse, honestly. Mm-hmm. Let
0: me see. There's a part here. I'm, I'm going through... The, I, I read this book recently. It's George Jackson, Blood in My Eye. Uh, talked about it briefly. Uh Probably one of the most influential books I've ever read, especially when it comes to fascism. Uh, fascinating history this guy had. Uh, I think was dead by like 27 or something. Died in prison after getting like a, what was it, a life sentence. Uh, a two-year-to-life sentence for stealing $70 or something like that in a robbery. Completely fucking nuts. Just a complete... To life? Yes, yeah. Before they outlawed those kinds of sentences. But, you know, they still give life sentences for bullshit and he was 17 at the time he was 17 years old uh goes in probably one of the most brilliant minds we've we've had in 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 my opinion ended up joining the black panthers but he talks about the how socialists in those power vacuums in germany and particularly in italy failed to either seize power or to stop fascism, and there's a couple of passages. Let me see if I can find the particular one. See, the problem with highlighting too much is that you highlight everything, so it's, but I do know the, hmm, let me see if I can find it. Look, I I, I think it's important though to recognize basically the the gist of what he's saying here is there's a lot of groundwork Um, there's a lot of groundwork that actually needs to be uh, uh, um, laid before you have a power vacuum and socialism to succeed over fascism the 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 tables are weighted as far as like the weight of which one is more likely they're weighted more in favor of fascism occurring in that power vacuum, mostly because the explanations are easier. And remember that the core of fascism is still to prop up international capitalism, which is ironic because usually fascism presents itself as a purely nationalistic thing, right? They, lean heavily on nationalism. They're against certain races and stuff. They scapegoat people, but they still rely on the power structure of capital. And the reason why capitalists end up getting in line with the fascists is because fascists basically say, well, we have the ability to control the populace. Now you've lost that. So you do need to listen to us, but we'll listen to you and we'll still, we'll still make sure that everyone stays in line, but we need to work together on this. And capitalists, wanting to maintain their system, say, okay. And there it goes. Um, And there it goes, right? Like, like, like it's, uh, I guess the. Has
2: socialism defeated fascism?
0: Socialism has in some circumstances, I'd say, I'd say Cuba is probably one of the best success stories in so many ways. Cuba should have died multiple times over. Uh, The fact that Cuba remains is kind of a miracle the fact that Cuba happened to begin with is kind of a fucking miracle. If you haven't read, uh, ooh, what were the, the, what's the Che Guevara book? Not the Motorcycle Diaries, but the, or, or, or the one where he talks about the actual war ef- effort, the revolution. Oh, God, what is it? I just read that not too long ago. But that's fascinating to see how they even took over Cuba is insane. Like they, they were like 10 guys at first and they were just, um, they, it was insane. Cuba, Cuba was, was, was nuts. Maybe that's it. I, I think that's it. I think that's it. Dale Guerrillo, guerrilla warfare. Maybe uh, maybe it's not guerrilla warfare. It's another one, but he talks about how I just remember he's always talking about going through the jungles and he's eating, he's drinking condensed milk and eating sausages and getting shot at. <laughs> and it, he, um, uh, He's there with Fidel, uh, Fidel's brother's there. He meets, um, ooh, the guy with the eyes, the piercing eyes, Tom something, who ends up getting killed. It's a fascinating book, but uh, that, that revolution should have never succeeded, and somehow it did. Um, Wasn't it because I, of the
2: support I, of Russia?
0: No, not initially. It was because they just – it was because it was weaker. Like the, the, the structure of power in Cuba was actually weaker – than it purported itself to be, um, and they just learned. They just fucking learned, right? They 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 got better at fighting than the other soldiers. They got uh, they survived. Sometimes they got lucky. The the people uh, ended up insulating them quite a bit because the people ended up kind of being on their side. Uh, so they just built up, and eventually that snowball just continued on. Uh, And there were so many crazy times of it. Uh, But I do want to just read this passage because this kind of talks about the why fascism this so in a power vacuum, specifically, this is why fascism has a huge example or a huge uh, uh, advantage over socialism It's generally from this. And this is from George Jackson, blood in my eye. I, I highly recommend people read this and at least read the classes at war chapter, the last chapter of it, um, or second to last chapter. But here's what it says. Fascism is always a response to a threat to the establishment. Any anti-establishment actions taken by the strictly political arm of a forming fascist arrangement are simply attempts to centralize or upstage the capitalist industrial sector, either to establish it as in Spain or modernize it, as in those cases where marginal productive interests are absorbed or destroyed by the arrangement. It is significant to note that no fascist regime in power has advocated the abolition of any form of private ownership. The fascist regime and private ownership work hand in hand. No modern political regime can exist for long without the cooperation of those who control the means of production. So what are we saying there? we have a power vacuum, it's not like maybe, like, look, let's say January 6th goes through, right? Let's say it goes through. Let's say they killed every senator, every member of the House. Let's just say it was a successful uh, revolution of times. So what then? All of the senators, all of the House people are dead. But where's Elon Musk? Where's the head of the different corporations who are looking to maintain their profits? Who do you think are the first people to have the conversations, which with Trump, who is the head, the figurehead of these people who just mounted this revolution and to be like, all right, so what do we need to do to make sure things are still continuing on? That's why fascism beats Out socialism more. Because the only way that we get through, remember, in a power vacuum, we still have to contend with the fact that the people who have power still remaining, the private interest holders, the people who have owned the private property, and by private property, I mean the means of production, they're still out there and still invested in our failure. Uh, We rely on the people who are going to mount that kind of January 6th event. And if they don't know who the enemy is and they put all of their faith in, you know, one demagogue or another, and then they get sold out, well, here we are. Right. It, it is, it is difficult. And, you know, Sully says you are too stable to achieve revolution in that ways. Uh, I think just to, to a large extent, I could see that perspective. I don't think we're going to get like a violent revolution kind of way to do it. I think it would have to be, um, I think it would have to be a response to a collapse, but people have to be on the right page in a response to the collapse. And that is, that's the, that's the key here. Um, So for the people who advocate for things to collapse, yes, that's a necessary component for things to change, right? And it's an inevitability under a capitalist system. But we have to make damn sure that people are on the right page and the correct page and knowing how to identify what is actually holding them down when things collapse. Because when things collapse, you also have to understand, the first concerns for people are food, shelter, water, safety. Okay? It's not political theory. It's not Fucking understanding relationships to the means of production. They have to understand that's why the collapse is happening. Or, or else uh, fascists come in and say Jews with space lasers. Then what do we got? You know? Crocodiles with space lasers? There's nothing okay, as good as this.
2: For the record, um, Cuba wasn't a power vacuum. They had been under a dictatorship for seven years. Of course. Maybe the argument is fascism has to come first so that people see that it isn't all it's cracked up to be, and then socialism gets a chance. Because I I agree, if if there's two ideas, one sounds more stable and more familiar, and that's fascism. But once they've had fascism for five years, it might be easier to make the case for socialism.
0: Well, maybe, but I don't know. Because you look at Italy – you know, Italy is an interesting case because Italy, at the time that when Mussolini came to power, uh, there were more seats from the socialist parties in parliament in their parliament than there were anything else. Right? Um, well, not anything else. I mean, than there were fascists. Fascists had the the, the minority of the seats in power. Uh, it's. I guess when we're when we're talking about. I guess I'm a little confused on the power vacuum part because here's the other thing is that, you know, we can look at what happened in Italy and what happened in Germany. Socialism wasn't the result there either.
2: Well, look, at the Ru- look at Russia. Though. The Russian empire collapsed. That was a country that collapsed. And then the USSR yeah. also collapsed.
0: So those are examples yeah.
2: of, of, of historical big gigantic countries with hundreds of millions of people having the exact same situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just think that, I mean, Russia is difficult. I need to learn more about Russia too before I actually feel comfortable actually talking about it. But I do know there were, there were a lot of stages with Russia. I think the initial collapse and everything was actually pretty good, uh, from what I know, from what I understand, and things got fucked up later. Um, I guess I here's what I'll say. I don't there's two parts of it one under a truly egregiously fascist government i don't think that cost is if we can avoid that cost we should just personally speaking i don't think anything that starts a systemic elimination of trans people or Jews or any kind of minority group, I think that cost is too high. And I think that we've failed people. We've failed the people that we're actually trying to protect, that we're actually trying to help. We failed working class people if, if we have to go through that to create conditions for our revolution. I think we can do, I don't think it's a necessary component to do it. Um, so maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be, I, I mean, the power vacuum part too. I mean, like, look, if we get to that point, it's tough. It's tough to know what would happen because, you know, these are countries that ended up going to war and then the U S and the, the powers that had six, I guess, prevailed are choosing how to fill that power vacuum. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's there's a lot. I I, I got to learn more history to, to be able to better comment on this. But what I will say is this, like uh, in a kind of in a situation where uh, a, a population is desperate and is being failed by a capitalist system, we need to uh, have a better understanding of how to try to Make sure that anytime that is happening, ideologically, uh, we're pointing people to the correct problems so that people actually can say, hey, uh, we understand what the forces are oppressing us so that it can't be uh, hoodwinked as much because the hoodwinkers are going to come in because that's that's what they, I mean, that's what Trump is, right? It's just a offering some bullshit solutions. Uh, Sully says, I'm failing to understand context. Sully, I'm failing to understand a lot of things in my life. Um, <laughs> context, context among them. So I, I do not doubt that. But uh, yeah, Lysol, I, I, I appreciate you calling. You got any parting shots? Any any last words? <laughs> um,
2: yes. Yeah, so there's a, a book called everything was forever until it was no more. I forget who it's by, but it's a book about Russia in the late 70s and the 80s. And I found out about it through an Adam Curtis doc. I don't know if you watch Adam Curtis documentaries at all, but he does some of the best ones. He has one about Edward Bernays called The Century of the Self. He has one about called The Power of Nightmares that's about how the uh, how Bin Laden and Bush were closer to each other than they were to the people they represented. And there was also one called Hypernormalization, and it's based on a phrase that the the author of that, that book coined, which is basically the idea that like you hypernormalization is a situation where it's like, it's very clear that the official official narrative being parroted by the Soviet Soviet press is not actually jiving with the empty shelves and e- empty shelves of the grocery store near you know, the person's life. But there is um, and, and when there is that much of a distance between what the truth is and what the official yeah. truth is, that leaves uh, that leaves a space for people to start manipulating reality. And that's exactly how Donald Trump got where he got right in. If you want to learn about something, uh, look up this guy for me. His, his name's Vladislav Surkov, S U R K O V. I'll I'll post a link to a, a great a great piece about him. But he's the. Um, I, I feel like you really got to you got to understand Surkov to understand what's happening in Russia right now and how much of it is how much of it is theater. He's a guy with a theater background who became the person they called Putin's gray cardinal kind of like like evoking you know um, Rasputin type like uh, type imagery, yeah. but yeah. he would he would uh, start a, like a, a far left party and then start a far right party and like admit that he was funding both of them, so that nobody ever really trusted any of the parties that were running against Putin because a they knew that they were funded by Putin and the government and b you couldn't really tell oh, okay. you know and it's you know that's it's fucking that that's evil genius shit that's so fucked up. I like that. that's what Steve Bannon's trying in the United States. It's his explicit goal yeah. is to duplicate that. And that's what RFK is right now is an attempt to attempt to just rat fuck the whole system.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, rat fucking the system is kind of what's happening. I mean, God, that I'm also to call a gray cardinal. Isn't that just a fucking bird at that point? No, cardinal, like a bird. Roman Catholic cardinal. Oh, okay. I see, okay. Like, I was like, well, like. cardinal, really? It's just, just like a red bird. So <laughs> a great cardinal. It's just is like, that, well, you're... Is that a crow? No, it's a black cardinal. Yeah. No, what the fuck do you mean a black cardinal? No, it's a crow. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're right. You're right. Well, I, I always appreciate you calling in, Lysol. Thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. Enjoy the Yeah, I will.
0: Amanda, what's going on? Good to see you. Welcome back to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. How are you? Oh.
4: Oh, I thought Sailor. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you.
4: Okay, I thought I was in line, so yeah, I, I was not was, prepared to be. But thank, hi, hi, vibe.
0: Hey, <laughs> what's going on?
4: You, you Rain, you, like, wandered all over the place. I want to bring it back to the subject at hand, which is the fucktard called Elon Musk. Hell yeah. So, because of you, I read that stupid, Ron Ron Farrow needs to not get, he doesn't, I mean, it's passable writing, passable. Yeah, but people act like because he's got because he's got this back, you know, his family, right? Because he's isn't yeah. he Woody Allen and Mia Farrow's kid?
0: Yeah, he's the son of Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. He, I think, he's denied. He, he's not cut ties with his father um, but okay
4: well there's all of that all the of that, he all of that
0: kid or something but same yeah. thing same, well, same, same thing shit. with
4: RFK Jr right right, it's right. The same right. fucking yeah. thing yeah you're and, from
0: the power structures.
4: yeah r- r- right so
0: class.
4: but but this this Starlink thing is really some shit it's really some shit cuz yeah. that's that's like one guy who has a hero complex, according to that article. And look, check it out. I'm so glad you just stayed on for longer than you, than a little bit because I was out on a walk and I I. Because I read this fucking long ass. It's a long ass it's article. It's long.
0: It, yeah, it takes about an hour could to get you, through
4: it, could, could, Yeah. Could you like not um, do that to me next time? Do we have in <laughs> order? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry I'm about saying. that. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. I mean, it, it, do, it doesn't. Su- it doesn't. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to throw too much shade because I mean, it's, it's a pretty. It's a very fluffy article with yeah, some tiny little morsels of little yes. information, right? Yep. Like Yeah,
0: yeah. And, like the whole two thirds at the end is almost irrelevant. You almost don't need any of it. It's just like his history and goes over how Elon Musk came to be and yada yada. And some of it's right. like I, I like who cares? The main thing is the Starlink thing. That's that's the real meat to me is right. that the, the details between the US military and having to call Elon Musk to say, Daddy, can we please have some more internet in Ukraine? That's bonkers, right? So, I I wish there would have been more on that.
4: So, I I also dove into Cory Doctorow's um, Twitter because he has a history with uh, um, Musk. Uh And um, so... So one of the quotes is Musk's whole notional deal is some set some good rules up and apply them fairly. There, were, there are some hard problems that there are some hard problems in that seemingly simple proposition, but I would let powerful people break the rules with impunity is totally, utterly antithetical to that proposition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then he says, and of course, and this is Cory Doctorow, in case you. Um, I I tried to look for your Twitter, but I so I could tweet this to you for today's show. But I'm just good. Do you mind if I read it? No, please do. Okay, so uh, it, for folks who don't know who Cory Doctorow is, he's a thinker and a writer, and he, he's like part of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and and he's about. Genuinely free speech and he has very interesting takes on things if you don't if you haven't Taken a look at him. He's kind of got an interesting take He thinks you could fix social media by eliminating the algorithms But back to the musk thing of course musk's ideas of The simplicity of setting up good rules and applying them fairly is also stupid Not because these aren't noble goals, but because attaining them at scale creates intractable, well-documented, well-understood problems. I remember reading a book in elementary school, maybe Mr. Popper's Penguins, in which a a person calls up the TV meteorologist demanding to know what the weather will be like in 10 years. The meteorologist says that's impossible to determine. This person is indignant. Meteorologists can predict tomorrow's weather. Just do whatever you do to get tomorrow's weather again, and you'll get the next day's weather. Do it 10 times, and then you have the weather in 10 days. Do it 3,650 times, and you will have the weather in 10 years. Musk and other good rules, fairly applied people think that all you need to do is take the rules you use to keep the conversation going at a dinner party and do them over and over again and you can have good million dollar million people conversations mm.
3: Mm.
4: and and That's, then I yeah. wanted to see what what Richard's Richard Wolf's critique was on musk so yeah. and I found this on um, brave New Europe. And it's, it, the, there's just the one paragraph really about Musk. Do you want to hear it?
0: Let's hear it. Yeah.
4: So this is Dr. This is, this is, um, I'm just going to read the beginning. It's, it's at brave new Europe.com. Um, Wherever and whenever obscenely rich people existed, they've always protected their wealth and privileges that come with it from the majority of non-wealthy people working for them and around them. Emperors, kings, czars, as well as masters of huge slave plantations, lords of big feudal manors and major shareholders, and top executives of capitalist megacorporations did so partly by the use of brute force or through exercise of power and bribery. Mm. All of them also used ideological persuasion, but none more so than capitalists today. And while the weapon of criticism can never replace the criticism of weapons, according to Karl Marx, a critique of mm. capitalism's obscene wealth today and its ideological justifications is arguably much needed. One attempted justification argues, it's just a, one more paragraph, one, attempt, one attempted justification argues that obscene wealth is society's reward for those people making crucial contributions to social welfare and progress. Billionaire Elon Musk, for example, the electric car some would argue uh, billionaire jeff bezos offered the speedy ordering and delivery of goods oh wow he ordered
0: this fucking guy yeah keep going i'm just it's such shit keep but
4: but musk's electric car was a late step in the long evolution of electricity batteries and automobiles this right. is this is he's Richard Wolf is describing the justification. He is not making the justification.
0: Exactly. I want to make
4: sure that's clear.
0: That yeah, it's clear.
4: This is okay. So constitute uh, just a little two more sentences. Of course, they're Richard Wolf sentences, <laughs> um, which are very long. So, but Musk's electric car was a late start step in the long evolution of electricity, batteries, and automobiles, constituting that evolution were many contributions by many people along the way. Musk's contribution was impossible without, and thus dependent on, all those prior contributions. Rewarding contributions and contributors justly would entail rewarding them all, not exclusively Musk. The la- doing the latter is manifestly unjust and unjustifiable. And then he gives this this um, this kind of example of of you've got a, a river that's flooding, and you, so you get a bunch of people down at the sand, bagging the sandbags, and then you have mm. a chain of people bringing the bringing the sand to where the river is going to break because you that's what you do efficiently. And way it works now is as we're doing that, the person on the end is Elon Musk. And because he's on the end, yeah. the $10,000 reward that, that should go to everybody who put in the effort, not yeah. just the guy who actually placed the sandbag, yeah. but all the people along the way. And I thought it was a useful thing. And the other thing I wanted to, I'll let you comment. Yeah. And then they have yeah, very useful. Thing.
0: I, I I think it's even more useful too, Amanda, when we we think of it's not he's not just a beneficiary of the history of all the people placing the ba- the sandbags there, he's a beneficiary in this particular situation of, uh, the work that was already being done at the Tesla company when he came in yeah. later as an investor and then bought yeah. himself into the role of a co-founder. So he is now taking he. Calls himself a co-founder when, as far as I understand it, the company was happening before that. Uh, people were already working on an electric car. He found them, said, "I want in. I'm going to put the money in, and I'm a co-founder now." And now we all think it was him who designed the shit. You know, it's it's it is um, it's kind of like a like a Trump Tower. You know, uh, people. I don't know how many people know this, but most of the Trump buildings, he's not. He's a not even like a minority owner in a lot of these. He barely like some of them. I'm, I'm sure I don't even know if he has any ownership credit. He's just, just a licensing, licensing his for name. his name.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's it. So, yeah. so he's it's not. He didn't build the tower. He didn't do anything. But it's almost like you know people see it and they think he built the tower that he well invested he for all the sure didn't for pay
4: the people. No, he for he sure didn't he pay
0: he the people. <laughs> yeah, he's goofy ass. Okay, you said you had one more thing, so. Um, okay,
4: so this pre-ended. was a thing when I was listening, um, I was listening to a podcast probably about socialism and um, somebody smart being interviewed and and um, I wish I could remember who it was right now, but um, the point is that the thing about private property and socialism is like, socialism doesn't allow private property for private, private gain, like for private property for personal use. But if you're using, if you're using private property, public property, right? This is, this is the thing, right? The distinction. I'm not saying it very succinctly, but do you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of, it was a light bulb for me.
0: Yeah. There's a distinction. So here's a trick that people use is, there's actually private property, and then there's personal property. Uh, whenever we talk in socialism, private property refers only to the machines which are the means of production. So the the machines which make the widgets at a factory, but, but also the, the things the that land, produce paper. right? The land, right? yes, the land, the land that produces the, the things of production as well, yes, yes, but
4: it's if you but, hold you shouldn't be able to hold more resources than than what you need for yourself, well the, any excess shouldn't be just profit that goes to you it should it should correct,
0: re- correct, yeah, so that would that the, would yes. but it
4: doesn't mean you can't own a house, well that's the that's thing,
0: yes, that's personal, personal property. property and it's, and I'm and not it,
4: making money yeah. off of it.
0: Correct. You you are. It's for your own living conditions and your own. Um, like people think that uh, you don't get to have privacy in socialism because everyone could just walk into your house and you know fuck your wife or whatever. Um,
4: oh my god, or your husband or
0: anything like that.
4: Thank God there's fascism because that sounds awful. I, know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love how you say it like that too. Like, oh please don't come into my. Please don't do that to me. Please don't come (laughs) into my house and fuck me, boys. I mean, really?
4: (laughs) Come on, guys. Who
0: could, could you imagine?
4: No, I don't, and I don't want to. Because, you know,
0: socialists coming into my house and just fucking me. I would hate it. (laughs) Have you heard,
4: have you heard about this, this reality show? This fucked up my world, too. This reality show out there that's MILFs and it's, it's they get all these women, these older uh-huh. women, and the, all of the men are the sons of the women. So, so they date each other's sons, <laughs> and that's the reality show. What? <laughs> Is this it's real- like it. A- yeah, it's, I think it's called maybe Milf Island or something crazy Is it like Milf that. Milf Manor? What? I don't know. Maybe Milf Manor? I don't know. But it's like all mothers and sons and they all are supposed to be date. J- like all, you know, all these like reality shows where they stick people in a house like The Bachelor
0: yeah. or whatever, Yo. right? Yo, what? <laughs> I know. Like, like fucking people's mom and then you're like, hey man, stop yeah. fucking my mom. Yeah, but, like,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? And they like yeah it, yeah. Really? and like it's a real it's a it's a real reality show. I, it's a real reality show by I just I, had to leave it oh on it God. on a like the world is fucked up place, man. I, and sometimes that's... you 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 have you watched I'm a Virgo yet?
1: i
0: have I, I'm, I'm gonna start I'll start watching it tonight if i oh my I, God, I've, I've been skipping forever on it. I just
4: ugh, you, I don't know why. dude. Dude, I, yeah. the the last episode you it is totally totally if you want if because the episode 3 and 4 kind of a bummer oh, okay. episodes. They're real okay. bummer episodes cuz cuz you know st- uh, no no spoilers, but they're bummer episodes. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah, you sure. can skip you can skip to 5 without missing too much plot that would be confusing. So, like, I found, okay. I, I, I've been watching it, I've watched it now four times, <laughs> but when I watched it by oh, myself, geez. those episodes, those, those like, three and four episodes were, like, really rough, and I kind of didn't want to watch them a second time. Yeah. But I I can't recommend it enough, because there is the most beautiful, the, even if you just watch episode seven, man. It's beautiful.
0: Okay. I, I'm I'm definitely gonna check it out, but first I have to watch Milf Manor or whatever it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Just just the <laughs>
0: dilemma. I I hate God. I hate, I hate capitalism so much. Sometimes, like, look, uh, because I'm like, i
4: Virgo, hates capitalism too.
0: It's very funny though. I mean, because everyone there, it's like <laughs> I want to fuck everyone's mom, but I don't want anyone to fuck my mom. <laughs> That's the whole show. That's the whole show. Is no the, the whole the moral show? Dilemma. No,
4: the whole show is the mothers explaining to the sons how they should be treating the women.
0: Are they? Wait, yeah. are they fucking? Or what? Hold on. Is it like a, the moms are, are just, not hold.
4: fucking their own sons, but them. but it's a oh. bunch of sons and a bunch of moms.
0: It's bonkers. God, I hate I hate it. I hate it, but like I'm
4: I love I've never I, wanted I to you, watch a,
0: I I love you too, Amanda. Thank Happy you Happy birthday. In. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well thank you for calling in. Wow, what a what a treat. Um how oh my I can't even What do I I feel like I've forgotten everything else I've talked about now that that was mentioned. Okay, I've been going about two hours and fifteen minutes. I am tired. I still have stuff to do, but um, I know we have two fan favorites in the call in. Uh, so, uh, sorry I have to rush through a little bit, but I'll, I'll bring you up. You can say your piece, and we can go. Uh, we can Brady, go. What's going on, man? We, we going have on, another man? fight. We, we have another fight.
5: No, uh, I was just going to say, you know, I could cry. I could cry for uh, hours about how bad the billionaires are. But Instead, I'm just going to let you know what I'm doing about it. And uh, Sabby had a good episode on uh, with Dr. West tonight. And he's going to be coming to call in. And I'm going to make a pitch to that man to be his vice president. Because I don't know anybody better than me. They, they're recommending people like RFK Nina and like you can take the very best things about rfk and nina turner combine them together and i can smoke both of them so you know that's just what i'm doing i'm like yo let's get somebody young there somebody who's actual working class you know and let's get some some work done someone who's not afraid to take the gloves off either because doctor here's the thing with dr west and I noticed a lot in the in the comment section of Savvy's show is a lot of people were saying, Dr. West, take the gloves off, man. You're being too nice, you know. So Dr. West needs, he needs somebody who could throw some punches, some raw punches. And that's me. So I'm throwing my
0: hat in the ring. That's it. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Fucking Vice President Brady, get in there, baby. Get in there. Get in there. I, I ain't got nothing else to say. Go. I, I wish you the best, man. I hope. I hope. Get in there. Dude, uh, fucking Brady train, baby. At the, no one better. At the very, no one better, you far. fucking punk bitches. Shut right. the fuck up, you know nothing ass, do nothing yes. ass motherfuckers. Brady's in here. Yes. Bra- big, Standing
5: big behind big Dr. Brady. West the whole time. Standing behind nuts Dr. West dropped. the whole time.
0: That's right. <laughs> Bigger nuts than Dr. West. Just dropping them right behind him. Like, hey, hey, I'm the real president. You know what? Fuck. Fucking get become vice president, become the vice presidential candidate, assassinate Dr. West and then become the candidate. That's the way to do it. You. It should be you, Brady. <laughs> Honestly, hey, Bob, pitch it. Did
5: you, did pitch you it. learn anything about glyphosate?
0: I did. Yeah. I'm not using it in my yard anymore. So thank you.
5: All right. Right on. I'm gonna call that a win. <laughs> I'm you Talk to Lance. <laughs>
0: All right. Bye, Brady. Vice president. Brady, get ready, you punk bitches. Y'all done fucked up talking all that shit about Brady. He isn't going to destroy your at. What, he's vice president? Shit. Y'all getting banned from Colin. And he's going to go on Milf Manor with all of our moms and not his. And he's going to fuck every one of our moms looking directly into the camera and going, you should have done the proxy party. While fucking your mom. Get ready. Get ready. It's inevitable. Lance, what's going on? man? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, bud. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm okay, man. I'm I'll getting a little I'll just goofy. I'll ignore that last
3: night. <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah. Um, this whole billionaire thing. But, uh, you know, this whole incel incels, you know, so elite loser incels, uh, yeah. you know, meet uh, desperate housewives. Yeah. Right. The idea that if when I was 18 or whatever, that I'd be going around fucking my parents, friends, my wives, that is so creepy, It's like ghoulish creepy. Right. But that's what does, you know, it reminds me of if you looked at uh, like in Venice where they have these paintings and they're not hiding it. It's like all this decadent and wildness. And it's like the inbreeding. We we're not we're not going to we're not going to you. We're not going to be around working class. people. so you got to close your circles more and more. It's like literally like you're not going to, you know, be with someone below your class Well, you run out of people. Okay, and that's what they're doing. Only it's not that one percent. These are the 10 percent now that are acting exactly like the Uber elites because that's who they emulate. When I went to school, I went to school with public school with the richest kids in the city because they went to public school. Then they went to their elite schools and they got pushed into Harvard, maybe, or went with daddy's business. My best friend, John Drescher, very successful business. And he wound up doing that. But painter right. faces were like movers and shakers big time, you know, local politics. That's, but we were still equals. Didn't matter if you were a billion times rich or what, a very much more rich. If we were like very middle class and they were upper middle, even one percenters, not just 10 percenters, this, this particular neighborhood, but we didn't care. Our Cub Scout uniform, yeah. we all looked the same. And if I could play yeah. better basketball, didn't matter whether you had the newest hipper sneakers and I did, or I had right. the old one, you know, I could beat you in right. basketball. Didn't matter. Right. 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 That, that carried. That carries. I'm taught. So these people, when they went to run their parents' companies, there was like a shade of empathy where it isn't just writing a check philanthropically. They're like, I grew up with middle class people, so they would have a an understanding of it. Now you got people whose grandparents, you know, came from suburbia. They came from suburbia. They they don't have empathy in them. They can't be taught it. It's not in them. And so it's just bizarre. Uh, so that's real end stage society stuff. Be, but I have another yeah. th- about the billion.
0: Yeah. Do you think it can be? Do you think what? that can be reversed? The, the empathy part? Because I do think you, you're you hitting on a real point. You know, Only in the, the next
3: generation. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I think so. It's yeah. the
3: same way with kids that are graduating high school and they've had a completely ridiculously horrible education. No, they're they're gone unless they get some real severe tutoring. I don't care what they're rural, rich, poor, whatever. Well, not rich. But they probably won't. You know what I mean? So, no, they're gone. She's got to hope that the next generation figures it out and undoes it. Because yeah. now there's no hope yeah. for this current sure. group of elites. And the thing is, yeah, you're, you're going to have to. This is the thing, man make this brief. Back in the day, the Berkeley free speech movement, because they just wanted to go and say, yeah, we don't like the administration or whatever the hell. And they had to fight. They had to fight to the Supreme Court to be able to go on their own campus, middle class kids. By the way, school was free or dirt cheap. Reagan's uh, uh, education advisor said, we can't have this. He literally said, we can't have the proles being educated and being civic minded because then they're going to know how to, you know, deal with us. We yep. need to keep them expensive. We need to keep them elite. And boy, that's been a long project. This isn't by accident. It didn't just happen, you know. Uh, uh, so you have financialization of of, of of education, you know. So the idea that if you go to Syracuse University, University Place, University Ave, the big T, right, the big staircase to the, you know, to the quad, the bit, you know, part of the quad and then you go beyond the quad and then the other buildings ring here. Hall of yep. Languages, still the most massive building, not the tallest anymore with a big clock, still the most massive building on campus. It was a liberal arts school. That's what they said we're going to focus on. They had the engineering school, they had the art schools, they had the, you know, law school, they had, you know, all the other schools, but the big prominent school was the liberal arts school because it wasn't right left top down so much although of course it was. You had to be elite to go there, but they made sure if you're rich you're going to learn maybe you're not learning marxism, you're not learning communism. No. But you're going to learn about like how the patrician class needs to do the right thing for the lower class. You know, that's what it was in the robber baron era. They knew they had all the power. They didn't have the excuse of, well, there's a welfare state and there's this and there's that. It's like, no, we have to take care of the poor slobs down there. Now it's like, we don't have to do nothing. We can think about a million years from now, put our DNA in orbit, go to Mars and all this shit. Okay. According to people like, you know, Richard Wolf. And Nader and uh, Chris Hedges, who's brilliant, all of them say the same thing because they go in a lot more granular, de- granular detail. I can talk intelligently about this stuff, but I don't have the sheer intellectual to you. Brady's term, knowledge that they do of just, you know, encyclopedic knowledge, everything from quoting the Bible to going back to any, you know, the Pleistocene age. OK, what they'll tell you is this compared to the robber baron era. Because we haven't had billionaires forever. We only started minting them right around after World War II, when you know, when we, when the industrial revolution caught up to us. We had okay, we stopped minting them for a while. But this set, they're like the, they're like the least competent. They're like the most ignorant. They're like the least creative. They're just like the most inept and the most psychopathological. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're the worst. That comparative apples to apples, the robber barons weren't exactly nice guy, Rockefellers and all these guys, but they had other values besides just money. They really did some of them, you know, and and so it's like they're the worst of the worst. I'll stop with this, that my theory is there's no such all billionaires are evil. That's just it all billionaires are sociopathic, greedy monsters. I won't say evil, that's for God to decide, right? They're all right. sociopathological, <laughs> willing to crush anybody, including their own family, their friends, their acquaintances, anybody in their path to get there. There's no such thing as a billionaire that's a good guy. Anyway.
0: No, I, I agree with that. I think, and, and I, even without getting into the motivations of their um, their, what it is that drives them, Evil, whatever. I think the the having the billions of dollars and having the ability to do, not having the ability to have the kind of checks uh, on what you do is a problem. I think most people, there are few people who would be able to handle that uh, with complete justice. And I think you know when you see someone like Elon Musk, even if he's not like you know, eating children or whatever, which it doesn't even need to be that deep. It just needs to be the fact that, well, now he just feels like he can regulate what speech you get to see and what speech you don't get to see. That's it. And the problem is no one person should really have that power to decide that unilaterally for a bunch of other people. And uh, once your freedom of um, commerce or your ability to use your money it's in the way of people's autonomy and their ability to decide how to live their own fucking lives and what they want to do and what their values are that's a fucking problem and that's what you see so uh and they'll protect it you know yeah. you have billions of dollars like that too yeah they'll go against their families and other stuff like that but uh any final yeah. thoughts because I'm, I'm
3: yeah one of, this, yeah just one quick point that's why i love richard wolf because like he explains he says you know there's like at least like half of Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations written in 1776 the same year as the Declaration of Independence so those guys knew they, they had read everything. Those guys were smart. They, you know, it was obviously the elites, educated, whatever. They knew about, they knew what he, he they didn't, they didn't skip that uh, chapter, you know, that book. So they all knew about, uh, and t- took the lessons of, of, um, of, you know, of, of, of Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations. And what Richard Wolf explains is if you read half of that book about his critique of the problems that can r- arise, you'd think it was Marx. He's like word for, he's like the same idea. He said, here's what, and here's what Adam Smith said. If you get a lot of money, it's impossible. It's just, you, this is what my point about billionaires just have to billionaire is because you, you won't know even people that came up with you that were true believers in your cause and your product or whatever, you will never know eventually, whether it's friends or family, are they saying it because they're on your dime or do they truly believe it? You will never know. And therefore, you can never trust people. You become more and more isolated. It's a bizarre bubble you get into, just like a president gets into. When you've got all these well-meaning advisors, the military guy, the peace-loving guy, well, they should know that. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like to hear really forceful, really smart people come at me as a president, I, I I like to think I know what to do, but as far as billionaires, they don't. They can never know. And so and so, what he said. And the other thing, well, so Adam Smith said, it's you've got to control billionaires. One last point, you know, uh, is that. Where do we get this corporations are people? That's just kooky talk because corporations were the thing that was going to replace feudalism. They said, we don't want feudalism. We're going to have to get rid of slavery. The handwriting was on the wall. took a lot longer than they said it would. 1808, yeah, not so much. We had a civil war a half a century later than what they said they were going to do. But they knew that that was, was the whole idea. Let's create this thing so we don't have to have slaves anymore eventually. I mean, that was on the record. That wasn't like we want eternal slavery as part of our system. But what they created were okay. corporations so that you could do a lot of things and get all, you could accumulate money, only report some stuff, but not all stuff, and you could make a lot of money with the capital. It's a it's a privilege. It's not some like organic thing that we said, hey, let's put a legal thing on this thing called corporate. They're chartered. And when corporate and this is what societies used to do when people weren't so stupid as American people are now, we're just dumb. They don't let this happen in Europe. The capitalists who have everything, you got to fight them and then you got to fight them again and you got to fight them again. So, in other words, you know, it's not like, you know, um, You know, just lost my train of thought at the very end, but yeah. So, you know, you you can't, you know, you have to control, or you have to, it's the corporation is charter. Oh, here's what I was going to say. One more sentence. So when people decided, whether it's society or, and, or you know, the elite, the aristocrats, I mean, the founders didn't like each other having power. So they thought, well, look, one of us or one of our future us could go against the rest of us elite. So it wasn't just the, the rabble versus the rich. They didn't want anybody to have all the power. And so uh, it's a charter. And when society decides that the corporation isn't doing what we want, Hello, they take them over. They fire the bosses. They, they take them over. Na- they nationalize them temporarily or they super regulate them. And uh, one less, like Richard Wolf said about the telegraph railroads, they were all private invested. There wasn't any public money for, you know, bailouts or for investment. No, there wasn't. They, it was private capital that did it. And when the, when the telegraph got too important for society, they said, sorry, we're going to take it over and we're going to uber national or um, we're going to uber regulate it and you'll make money, but you're going to They made ATT share their wires. They own all the wire. Too bad. It's Society's going to be better off if you have to be forced to share those wires and you're only going to charge a nominal fee. It isn't going to make you a big profit. So railroads, we took them over and said, no, we're not going to have individual company railroads. We're going to super regulate it. Now we stop doing it. So this idea that corporations, oh, yeah. they're just this free market. And just and No, they were never like that. We always had, we always slapped them down when they got too big and for some reason we think that either we can't or we shouldn't or whatever and it's just sick.
1: Yeah, a lot. And thank um, you, Bob. Yeah, uh, for sure. Tell you for sure. Have, anytime, tell you have
0: Much um,
3: wisdom. To, yeah, I, uh, you have much wisdom to impart.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot I could respond to there, and there's a lot. I mean, most of it speaks for itself. Um, and I have to go eat dinner, so I will. Uh, I appreciate you calling in, and uh, I don't know. Next time, at some point, we need to have a. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Selly up for a bit too. Uh, hey, Selly, what's going on?
6: Hi. I went to eat and I came back. <laughs> okay, here.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go eat right now, so. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll be
6: very very short sure just. Okay. Because I have a, a lot to say, so we'll have that conversation in, in another time. But I'll just say, you know, what? I, here's the thing. When. When you talk about Adam Smith, right? Like there is a different point of view we have about Adam Smith, which is Adam Smith was trying to uh, talk to all these people that were freaking out because feudalism was something that they rejected, but at the same time, that that was the thing that assured them that they were going to eat the next day, right? Without its so, all of a sudden, all this freedom, if you want, uh, was freaking people out because they didn't know if they were going to eat the next day. So,
3: yeah.
6: that's that's basically the, the basis, right? And the system started, and uh, very shortly after that, uh, the British realized they didn't have enough space in their rock in the middle of the ocean to sustain their population in a way that didn't, right, like they were running out of land. So the food had became really, really expensive. So salaries for these people to eat had, right, like had to start getting bigger. And so the corporations were going to be making less and less money. So there came Ricardo with a different, so he said, okay, let's fix this with what we're going to do with is we're going to, uh, grow the food in our colonies, so there you have this capitalist system that depended on colonies. So to to take Adam Smith or any of these authors is like trying to understand psychology right now only by reading Freud, right? Is is completely is incomplete, right? So that's just one point about Adam Smith that. And trying to understand capitalism in their point of view with their colonies and stuff that were happening right then is, is an anachronism. So the other thing that I wanted to tell you, you mentioned, uh, very short that you mentioned January 6 and I mentioned you are too stable, right? Here's the thing. We had January six, but we had it by the people, not by a bunch of crazy group. And the motto was, uh, que se vayan todos, everybody out, everybody, right? And we got the president to resign and run away in a helicopter. The vice president had already resigned. So came the next one, right, uh, by the Constitution, stay a couple of days and resign. The next one also stay a couple of days and resign. Nobody was, uh, right, like the Constitution says that, (laughs) Up to that point, you have to find someone. There is no one in line that is uh, right, like that is pointed. So, this guy came, stayed a few days, also resigned, and the, the next one stayed. So, we had in less than 10 days, five presidents. That was uh, such yeah, t- turmoil a record. that we created. So, yeah. the thing is that this guy stayed and to call for elections. He, at one point, a year and a half before he calls for elections. He killed, right? His government killed two guys in a protest. And he had to call for elections that next day, basically, right? Like otherwise he would have to resign as well. So this was the people. It wasn't a group. So it's what you would call, right? Like a the thing is that there was no alternative. So they didn't all leave. Just the heads of it live, right? So you, when to make the point, right? When the, you have a much more stable country as we have. So if you kill them all in the top, right? All the politicians, that doesn't mean that the power or the ones in power are going to change because is much more right. deeper and it goes beyond yeah. that. that. That was yeah. my point, I'm saying it's too stable to have a revolution like that, even if you take away yeah. the politicians.
0: Well, you have so. to, yeah, you, 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 exactly. I, I'd say you—you, you, the revolution has to not be about changing who's in power as much as it is changing the way the system, uh, changing the system that puts people in power. Uh, and I don't mean changing democracy, I mean changing um, capitalism. You you have to have I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough, but I don't see I don't see a way past that right now. Maybe I should get some people on who can talk to me. Maybe I should get a couple like real hard like anti leftists or something on a little bit more on this. Um, but there's plenty of that going on in the world. I don't know. I mean but, isn't that day to day life?
6: Because what you were mentioning about fascism or, or you or Andrew, right? I were, uh, Andrew lives in, in Mexico. So mm-hmm. I think he has this extra point of view that I was trying to, to tell you that sometimes you're lacking. And the point is that the fascism, right? Works within capitalism. So it, it's kind of a different type. You, you wouldn't call it a revolution in the same way that you are trying because they are not trying to change the things that you are trying to change. Yeah. And Elon Musk, when there was this coup in Bolivia and everybody was complaining on Twitter, he tweeted, we are going to coup whoever we want, deal with it, right? And this tweet became very famous, at least in my part of the world. And I want to point out, not to he was a megalomaniac son of a bitch, but <laughs> he is. Of course, right, like they were right. killing people there, but he said, we are going to coup whoever we want. And yeah. in that we, I, say, I think there is, uh, because uh, what, he, what they were after in Bolivia was the lithium, and that's what he needs for his cars. But the ones that were supporting the coup was not Elon Musk and the corporation, was the U.S. government,
0: Right, so right, there's an right.
6: entanglement there that you have to have in in consideration.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think, yeah, and and my, uh, let me ahead. say here, Lance, Lance, he wasn't talking to you. Let, let, let me just be clear. First of all, I when it comes to like the chat and stuff, like I just like to let people do what they want to do. But can we stop having fucking flame wars in the chat? We are grown. Who gives a fuck? Like, no one fucking, like, we should not feel some type of way. We all live in our own skin. It is what it is. I've been checking the chat, Lance, just to let you know. It was all a big conversation between Brady, who wouldn't shut the fuck up. No offense. Just, like, shut up. Like, read the room, my dude. Please. Just be normal for two seconds. And so they were having a whole flame war in the chat, Lance, and You're a grown man. He didn't refer. When did he refer to you specifically? Who cares? You know what? I shouldn't have addressed it. Guys, can can, can you just, if someone says something about you, let me just, I got to do a quick like lesson in just life real quick for some reason. Look, if someone says something about you, it's move on. It's their opinion. If they got something to say, maybe it's mean, maybe it's not. You can always just say, hey, that wasn't nice. I didn't appreciate that. And if they're still an asshole, then guess what? They're an asshole. The fuck are we gonna do in a chat by being like, well, no, you're like, why do why does someone putting you down necessitate you having a need to now put them down to try to make them feel small? Making other people feel small does not make you bigger. It just makes you a dick. Okay? Let's just be clear about that real quick. And look when we talk about revolution and solidarity and all these things, part of that is having to get over certain parts of people being mean, shit happening, working with people you don't want to work with, whatever. Like, you gotta have thicker skin than all this, you know? Like, you can return fire. I'm just telling you, it's not effective. And it looks, to me, it just always looks like, it always looks like a waste of time. And just like a waste of what could be a better conversation. So that's that. Sorry, I'm getting a little tired. immediately go in there and fuck everybody's mom. That will, uh, but no one could fuck my mom. (laughs) Those are the rules. I'm sorry, Sally, you're talking about something way more serious, but just, no,
6: no, it's it's okay if you have to a go. Have to go, it doesn't
0: matter. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I I I would love to speak more next time. You know, I should be back next week. We'll see what happens. But just feel like you know, I'm still like when uh, you know, I still feel bad now for banning Brady temporarily. But it's like, dude, will you just what at a certain point? When are you enabling somebody? You know, like when are you enabling people to just fucking bring down shit for everyone else or to be an asshole. It's like, no. Just stop. Guys, just be nice. Just be cool to each other, man. We only got so much time on this earth and then we're all fucking dead. Every minute we spend fucking going out of our way to just be like we're spending hours of time of life, of precious life, trying to get someone to feel bad about a comment they made. Like, what does that get us? I just don't understand it. Like, in the grand scheme of things, you know, like, fuck it, people can think what they want about me. Like, I feel great, generally. (laughs) And hateful lies, uh, fuck them. Like just don't leave. You know, and I don't mean that like you don't deserve to be here, or something like that, or whatever. But that's, you know, we. I. 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 I here's why I care about this shit too, though. And now I'm talking about like God. I, I keep. I have to get better at ending these episodes. But you know, here's 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 what we need to to understand in a system that alienates so many people and isolates us and brings us apart from one another and talks about individualism and the individual and the individual and the individual uh no like none of us existed on this earth without a tribe none of us existed without having to be part of a community without being communal and if you think that we are the first people or you're the first person who has been attacked for your character or uh, been made fun of or something like that, then you are not accounting for the fact that this is an experience that is universal to everyone who's ever fucking existed on this fucking planet forever. Right. To, to there's a, there's a balance between like, there's a balance between like having these things happen to you or, or being um, kind of standing your ground when you need to and making a mountain out of a molehill of, of making what is supposed to be like a community effort or something about you individually or about your feelings individually or whatever. Um, You see it happen with Elon Musk, right? Like, Let's not pretend like we don't, you know, when people say things, sometimes it hurts our feelings and it makes us feel bad and we want to make them feel bad or something like that. And like what, I'm just saying, what does that, like, what does that do? I don't understand what that does. And all we've done now is just adopt the same thing that hurts people to hurt someone else because we're hurt. You know, that saying, hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, exactly, 100%. It's just like, that's yeah, but does that mean you adopt that? Do you become just someone who, I don't know how to tell you, and it, you know, just say sorry, be good to each other, and then, like, just keep on keeping on, man. It's just like, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And I think it's kind of, I think it's a weakness. I think it's it makes it easy to defeat you, frankly, because if someone can get you off or can get you off your goal by going uh huh or this guy's a fucking idiot or or putting you out there, how the fuck do you think you're going to stand up to the power when power actually comes after you? Like what? How the fuck if you're if we're so thin skinned sometimes that like I don't know like like we're willing to spend hours in a chat and this is no one here It's just, you know, we other people, but we're willing to spend hours in a chat with a avatar online. Like, how the fuck do you think you're going to be able to be vice president? <laughs> you know, like it's, I don't know. It's enough. There's, there's people a thing
6: about, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. There's a thing, there's a thing about your politically correctness kind of culture that that makes this thin skin as you call it yeah puts it to a very ridiculous point yeah to a point that it makes no sense within uh right like if you're looking it for from outside it doesn't make fucking sense in any logical ways it's so subjective and and that the thin skin right like it goes from okay but at the same time, someone says one fucking word that is not supposed to be, and everybody is like impossible to take it, right? Like we all go and you, you, you don't. I'm so furious, but okay, not furious, but like I I swallow my Argentinian part all the time here, not to offend people, because we don't have the political correctness. Thing going on still, and so we we guide on context. And there is uh, something that happened recently that okay is is that I went to a room right, and there was a woman talking about um, feminist feminism right. Like it doesn't matter what she was saying, I didn't agree, and I went very respectful to talk to her, and she went insane right and started to yell at me and mute me yeah and she went like this right like uh she there was a couple and she went right like on top of everything you're argentinian and you have uh she she, she said many times i'm a black woman right like had no other way to say, to know uh, you have some explaining to do uh you give us you own us some explanations because of the nazis and of the Genocide that you committed against black people in Argentina, which is... What? Un- you in
0: ridiculous. particular?
6: What the she hell? was yelling at me, right? And to me, she was this junkie woman that, to me, is like, can't get the fucking IMF out of my country, right? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? To me, you might be the color of... ...taking population because of the things their government did... Right, like I have a big list to tell to her and the genocide of black people is a lie. <laughs> but she muted me and started, right, like saying that to me. And recently I, w- I was talking to someone that I, I I love a lot and I respect a lot, but I, yeah. apparently, yeah. Uh, I'm going to make this real small point. I grew up with a lot of U.S. Um, series, right? Like watching, but also Topoggio from Italy, uh, it was this very popular cartoon from Switzerland, this show from Germany, right? Like, I don't think, I think if I ask you, probably you didn't grow up.
0: In a, in a country where we have shows like Milf Manor, where people try to fuck each other's moms. So.
6: No, but my point is that all you receive is U.S.
0: Right. Receive... Oh, culture-wise. I mean, I don't know. I saw a little bit, but not much. Yeah, you're right.
6: I grew up, like, under the age of 10, I I've already were seeing shows from Mexico, from Italy, from Switzerland, from... I didn't know that they were from those places. But, yeah, the point is that. And so, apparently, there's a stereotype of a black woman being someone that screams a lot, which is just the U.S. It's just the U.S. Because if you think about a black European woman, you're not thinking about... The stereotype that you have. And we don't have it because they come from Brazil, they come from Peru, they come from Colombia, they come from Haiti. They're so cool, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and yeah. so I was, right? Like, it was trying to tell me that I had that prejudice and that I was calling this woman loud because she was black and stuff like that. Which, and I was trying to make this person understand that I never thought of a black woman or someone as that child. And I couldn't make her understand that that is a US thing. And I mentioned that the U.S. is the only country that went that until the seventies, right? That had this this thing that is not present in many other countries about uh, race, right? Like it's not that there is no racism. I never meant that, but to see us or try to judge us with the U.S. point of view is many people. I. I unique thing so my point is I see right like this I, I seen people I heard people the other day trying to explain my own economy to me and yeah like I I think there is, is it's a point where everybody from that is not from the US or Canada has been expelled from here yeah. and to, to, there's a point there too. Andrew was saying that he has, comes from another culture. So just have conversations with an open mind, because when you sometimes talk about Cuba and all these other places, the other places I don't know, but for instance, Cuba that I know very well, that I've been there, that I have friends that live there, right? Like you are talking about facts, but not knowing the culture. Not the context, yeah, I right? Think, like I think, the culture.
0: Yeah, and I think you know one part you call it political correctness, and then I'm I'm going to bed because um I it, I was supposed to be I should have stopped this an hour ago, uh, but I always want to get through the callers and stuff. But uh, and I appreciate you calling, but the, you know I think one of the things you identify too with America, like I think there's a, a conception sometimes that it's the political correctness that is. Uh, you know, the culture of political correctness in America that stops people from being able to know how to speak to each other sometimes. It has, like, an opposite effect. I think it's more of, like, isolation and... and Just, like, we've forgotten the fact that having a conflict with someone does not mean it's uh, abusive. There's, you know, like, there's not... It, it doesn't sometimes need to be deeper as deep as people want to make it, you know, because people come in with their own shit, man. I, I can't tell anyone what they've been through or whatever uh, or how they should react but I can tell um, you how you know, like...
6: Couldn't it be that you are not as able, maybe, right here happens that you can get confrontational about politics but not get it personally, right? Like... No, no, personally, personally, uh, it's a, 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 we are debating ideas. I'm not against you or insulting you.
0: It, 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 right. I think there's some of that, but there's like, you know, people, you just don't know how people are going to be like, you know, I hate to use it, but like triggered by what you say. And I, I like to hold space for that just because, you know, it's, it's fine. But there are people who are holding traumas that they're ready to unleash on other people. So the, you can say something like what can be interpreted as like an opinion, like I don't understand and I don't do this. And people can see it as a personal attack and they can go into fight or flight mode. And I think it's making people, I mean, you see it all the time. Um, And I guess, you know, I don't know. I deal, I've dealt with a lot of like uh, anger issues. Honestly, I was fighting too much. Stuff, But I think it's, you know, a lot of people don't have those resources or that opportunity to sort of figure out the line between when someone is, to figure out, like, that you don't have to respond to people with uh, a certain amount of, like, conflict or violence or something like that. Like, to be able to take an insult or something like that, or take something, uh, and not necessarily like turn the other cheek, but to see it more as a reflection of the person who's insulting you rather than you. Right. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of that happening. Uh, I think there's more, well, there's some of it happening. I don't know. You know what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a whole episode where I just, I'm going to convince my therapist to come on here and we're going to talk about conflict and we're going to talk about just other stuff, the influences of culture and. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to 10 do.
5: 10
6: years, 10 years of therapy on me, like every other Argentinian. Oh, yeah. So yeah, of course that's, 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 there, there's, yes, um, there are like, and the other thing, like, I would like to talk someday about with you about unions. I saw that you were that'd be awesome. Yeah,
0: because I'm making a video. We're seeing too. the
6: other part. Yeah. We are seeing. We're we're now seeing the consequences of what unions left out, and because we have very strong unions, and I would like to to talk to you about it because, yeah, it's is out of experience and and. That thing that you were calling for, like, natural, by right, like, general strike, right, we, we've been doing that for 70. Right now we are seeing the, the, that there was a lot of things that unions were leaving out that we are just, right, like, dawning on this couple of, this year. So there must be not even books written about it, and it's important. It's important because yeah. now we are seeing the backlashes
0: yeah yeah
6: but that's long, so someday okay. yeah bye bye sorry I did de- I- no sorry. thanks for Everybody. calling
0: in I appreciate mm-hmm. it it's it's you know I'll, I'll do a better job too of just like um, you know in the future of just kind of like making sure people get a say and then moving the calls along rather than I tend to stay and and all of that's your contributions just, thank you
6: just that and you, your cute I mean, dog you didn't feel offended by anything i said i'm, I'm fine I just i'm
0: so fucking offended <laughs> so bye. fucking so offended, u.s telling.
6: people so it's so american bye.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh great well that's the episode uh, we we went all over the place a little bit um this was mostly just supposed to be about elon musk and the problems with billionaires and why that's not a sustainable system and how capitalism leads to that and yada, 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 and booty, booty, boo, and rapada, Uh We got through all that. Uh, we had some conflict resolution and some non-resolution. We had some talks about uh, MILFs, <laughs> which I kind of love. At least that part's cool. uh main point is uh, y- capitalism bad <laughs> if we're gonna do anything it's it's look at the system that enables someone to control whether or not soldiers have communications during a war. Uh, maybe that's not the best system or at the very least it's something that needs to be addressed, uh, regardless of what you think about the war. And at this point, you guys, have a pretty good understanding of what I think about the war. Thank you for coming. Uh, I think Savvy Sabs has a room with um old, uh, maybe Dr. Cornel West is there. Might be worth going to see and uh, his vice presidential candidate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, take care. See you next time. Thanks for coming.